If we start the podcast in five minutes, I will need to pause the podcast so that I can bid on a VHS tape on eBay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Kenny Morrill Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with VHS tapes of trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Dade Oppitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. There are no late fees, but unreturned tapes will be hunted down by our crack team of mutant kangaroos led by Captain Nightmare, an alcoholic wombat seeking redemption who may or may not have been once secretly Prime Minister of Australia for a week in 1983. But that won't matter when you're drowning in a pool of your own blood, will it mate? This is Weird Kid Video. Forty-five seconds. Okay. I've been until the bid. No, I've been forty-five seconds till the end of the auction. Oh, dope. How many people are bidding on that? Nobody. That's the thing that's blowing my mind. Is that it's cheap. It's cheap for what it is, and nobody has bid on it. Mm. And it's the. I wonder if it still works. It does. The thing is that that it works. The other thing is, it's the last one I need. You have all of them. I have all of them except for the wow. first one. Well, I think. Oh, motherfucker! I got. You, I got done. Ooh. I didn't get it. How much did you go for? I bid ninety. It was at eight, the starting bid was eighty, and somebody got me literally with seconds to go. Oh, that's dog. What happens at that price? I'm not surprised that somebody else was lurking. Mm. So how much did they get it for? I don't know. It's still loading. So with the edit, have you guys 90, got... 91. Oh, dog. Oh. Fucking dog piece of shit. Um, Feel free to cut the, any of this into the podcast. Yeah. Oh, right. I didn't know we were already recording. Oh, I, started <laughs> I started rolling as soon as we sat down. We've been rolling for 10 minutes already. Yeah, I saw the light and I was like, does that mean it's recording? But it's red. I should have known that. <laughs> uh, so it says record. <laughs> um... All right, let's let's start this shit. Let's do this. I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? I'm nervous <laughs> that I don't have enough notes. Okay. Well, I have so many notes. I know. Yeah, I'm noted up this time. Sarcasm. All right, how are we starting this? I forget the format. Uh, Kian starts talking. Oh, yes, okay. And, and then we just respond. Mm-hmm. First things first, old business. Uh, I do believe that there's a fact check. There is. There is a fact check. Um, I have one fact check, which is uh, we were talking about Faye Dunaway and Brody believed that she played Supergirl and Kian believed that she did not play Supergirl. Kian was correct. She did not play Supergirl. However, I would so. However, Brody was correct. She was in Supergirl. That was just With Helen Slater, she played Selena, the uh, villain in that movie. Oh, so, so you, you go. just got the characters. Faye mixed Dunaway up. is not who I think Faye Dunaway is. Then probably not, but no. you were kind of correct, so that's good. Well, at least at least I've seen the credits of Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie that I forgot that Helen Slater was in is The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox, which is definitely a candidate for us to talk about on the podcast. Wow. Okay. Excellent. The other thing I wanted to talk about was um, uh, Chicken Palmerston. Mm-hmm. We left the studio after the last episode, and and what did we have for dinner? Chicken parmigiana. 
What well, blade gang? Because somebody couldn't get it out of their head. I really couldn't get it out of my head. I had to have one. <laughs> I had to make that happen. And I do believe that's the end of old business. Yes. So today, it's time for us to grab our favorite dog skulls, wander into the desert, and prepare ourselves <laughs> to play the game. Not the game from Palmerstan. This is the game <laughs> from the 1989 post-apocalyptic all-timer, The Salute of the Jugger. From the author of Blade Runner and Lady Hawk. Jugger's coming! Jugger's! Jugger's! Jugger's coming! They're coming! They're coming! In a future ravaged by war, all eyes are on Jugger's. Outcast champions playing a game of survival. Punish him! Punish him! This is the story of Kidda, who has heard tales of a world far better than the one fate has given her. Is there really such a thing as soap? She will do anything. I got speed. I can run. I'll quick for you. She will risk everything to be <laughs> one of the judges. It is the story of Salo, banished from a place of honor in the underground Red City because of a woman. I like the blood of heroes. Now, this woman will lead him back. We could play a team from the League. Theirs will be a journey through a gauntlet of time and trial. Get her loose! To that fabled city, where Salo will challenge the Jugger who took his title. He could lose that other eye easily enough. Where Kidda will discover that the world of her dreams is no dream at all. Don't want the attention of the League. But I do. Rutger Hauer. It must be soft. Skiing with no scars. I like scars. And Joan Chen of The Last Emperor. They accepted the challenge! about this movie because I watched half of it at night and I was like, fuck, this movie is boring. And then I watched the second half of it in the car on the way home and I was like, fuck, this movie is mad. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. To be honest, it didn't grab me very much at the start either, but mm. I didn't think it was boring. I just was concerned that I didn't have any notes. I have, a, I have one comment. What the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made my feelings pretty clear. Yeah. So um, this movie, directed by David Webb Peoples, uh, his only movie as a director, um, but he is known as the co-writer of the screenplay for Blade Runner with Hampton Fancher, which kind of makes sense. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for the Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven and co-wrote hmm. with his wife, uh, Janet Peoples, 12 Monkeys. With Shut Bro the Pitt. fuck up. Yeah, fuck yeah. Which is based on a French short film by Chris Marker called Love yes. Yep. yes, I did but know they, that, although I forget it every time I yeah. after I hear the fact, I forget it as soon as we go into the next sentence. Yeah. So the dude's got some dude's got some credits. Unfortunately, because uh, this movie was a bomb, did not do well and was not well received at the time. Yes. Yeah. Uh he never uh he unfortunately never made another another movie. But um but yeah, and uh starring Rooker Hauer and Joan Chen. 
as our main as our main cast. Rutger. Rutger. We're gonna see both of them, I think, in quite a lot of films. And Joan and Chen. What else together. has she been in? Because her face seems familiar. Joan Chen, most famous from Twin Peaks, the original Twin Peaks. No, no, she was Josie Packard. Ah, light bulb. Yeah. Yep. Um, and 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 lots of other lots of other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just around the traps. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. She's awesome. She's great. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, also in this movie, uh, Philip Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Sexy man. Yeah. Sexy man. God, he was so good looking in this film. What happened to him? Yeah, I'm playing Kingpin. What the fuck? Yep. Yep. Kingpin in the in the MCU uh, and also uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent, yep. if that's your yep. vibe, if you're into those procedurals. Uh, and uh, right before this, he had made Full Metal Jacket with Stanley Kubrick. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Delroy Lindo, um, who I found out today is fucking British. I've been watching this movie my, in uh, this guy in movies my entire life, and I had no idea that Delroy Lindo is British. Sure, he is too. Um, he's in a bunch of Spike Lee movies, including most recently uh, The Five, Five Bloods. Bloods. Yeah, yeah. Where he has an amazing monologue in that in that movie, um, and uh, a bunch of other a bunch of other movies that we might talk about the hard way. With Michael J. Fox and um and uh oh go come on brain James Woods go brain um, uh, Broken Arrow and Congo. Do you guys want to just do a quick recap of the premise of the Salute of the Jugger for those that have not seen it? If you have not seen it, turn this fucking off right now because it's spoiler city. Okay, so having no notes and off the top of my head, uh, we start in an apocalypse. Uh, just the premise. Not the, the whole movie, just the premise. Okay, true, right, okay. So it's the apocalypse and there is a game that's played. We have no context on the apocalypse, no context on how life is lived whatsoever, but there is a game that's played throughout these random encampments and cities in the apocalypse. It involves basically post-apocalypse lacrosse, right? Kind of like that cross NFL. I don't think I know about lacrosse well <laughs> enough to say that this game is similar to lacrosse, but, but I would say like football, yeah, rugby something like with that. a dog skull. And no one knows how dog skulls were then used, as it says in the- Came uh, to be used. Came to be came used. Came to be used, yeah. Yeah, which is an interesting detail to have in the opening crawl. Um, and then we follow a ragtag team of juggers. Um, through the wasteland, beating all the uh, other teams. And we get to the Red City. The Red City, is that right? Again, you're just diving straight in. All I wanted you to do was tell me the premise. Okay. The premise of this movie is that there is a game that is similar to football and they play it with a dog skull and it's really violent. They have weapons and you have to put the dog skull on a spike. Very well done. And there is a ragtag and team of... infinitely more direct than Brody. <laughs> Well, that's generally the way things go. Yeah. And they then fight to get into the league, whatever the league is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that is correct. So my backstory, no trailers. I know, I was very disappointed with the lack of trailers. We got one trailer last time, we got no trailers this time. I was promised crappy trailers. Well, I could just pick some crappy trailers to put before this movie if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, I not a, probably not off the top of my that. head, but yeah. So no trailers, unfortunate. So my backstory with this movie is that this is the might be the first movie that I ever remember as a kid being shot in Australia. Strong Australian cast. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie was shot in Cuba Pedi. 
using a lot uh, of the in South Australia, using a lot of the the landscape. Obviously, tons of the tons of landscape, all of the landscape. Did anyone else in that like opening? feel like those hills when it first opened on those hills were like way in the distance and then the people came around the corner and you're like oh they're actually just tiny hills (laughs) (laughs) I I know the shot you're talking about and that was that perspective did not occur to me I mean I've seen the movie before yeah okay fair (laughs) those are just tiny hills (laughs) Jesus Christ those are man-sized mounds on the ground (laughs) so uh Second episode, and I'm already going to add a new wrinkle to the podcast. Oh, so yes. I have coming. I ordered it off the off the internet, off the eBay. Um, a blockbuster guide to movies and film from the year uh, 1998, I think, which I'm going to read the review of the film that we watch Beautiful. at the beginning of every episode, just to add some historical context, and also because it's kind of fun. Um, but that's coming, so that's probably still quite a few episodes away. But what I do have on hand is a Halliwell's film and video guide from the year 2000 in which I have found the entry for Salute of the Jugger. Just so we know. So basically it's a book before the internet. What a book. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me. So basically there was a series of these types of books that existed before the internet that Mm -hmm. were released yearly that basically are like dictionaries for for movies. So you can look up any movie. This movie, this this guide, this Halliwell's guide, has 23,000 movies in it, and you could look it up. And at the end, there's usually an index where you can look things up by actor or by or and even sometimes by by year. International can, movies or just Hollywood? Mostly English as first language. Some okay. international if they if they cut through. Um, and I, before the internet, being a kid in the 90s got a lot of these as like birthday presents and Christmas presents. So I get the new edition every year. There was a Leonard Moulton, the film critics guide that came out every year. There was a blockbuster video blockbuster entertainment guide that came out every year. Um, the Halliwell's I only have one of, and it just happens to be the one that I still have. I got rid of all my Leonard Moulton's and all my blockbuster guides. Do you regret that now? Right now I do because I just paid for one on eBay. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. That's not going to come for like six weeks. <laughs> so, um, uh, so Yeah. So these are cool. So I, being the massive film nerd that I am, used to look through books like this to find movies by directors before I could look them up on the internet. That sounds like a reasonable thing to do. But when you actually think about that, that is so, so unnecessary. It's I existed in an age where (laughs) there was a long period of time where – Particular movies were unavailable because they weren't released on VHS or water or just weren't widely available. Um, and I had only seen black and white photos of those films in books or read the synopsis of those films in books, similar to a Halliwell's Guide. So I used to have lists of movies that I wanted to see that I had seen stills of because I owned books about, like, say, a book about uh, like cult movies that just, like, here's a bunch of cult movies. And they only have black, black and white still photos in them. No, Ken is a film nerd. I don't know if you know this about him. But he, likes likes, he likes films quite <laughs> a bit. I've heard this about him. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even that fucking old. <laughs> I, just, I think it's just this. I just was a teenager when the internet happened. We were, we were in transitional yeah, stages. Which yeah. is one of the things that, like, for, for me, that's what's interesting about this podcast mm. and hopefully will be interest, interesting to other people is, is, is that – you guys are 
at the end of VHS and I was there during the golden age of VHS and that's so I don't think we're going to watch a movie past like 1998 mm. right so hopefully all the movies we watch are going to be in one of these guides so anyway in the Halliwells from mm. the year 2000 the salute of the jugger um we get a we get a <laughs> what a name yeah, go on. Sorry. Well, also known as the Blood of Heroes, they changed the title in other. That other, makes a little place, bit more sense. Um, it's not as good a name, though. It's not as good a name. So mm-hmm. the Jugger st- stands out. Yeah. So we get a recap of the premise, which is what I was trying to get you to do. Mm. Hey, in, I did a good job. You, you did. did a good job. I'm just giving him shit, not you. Okay. <laughs> You're cool. We're cool. <laughs> We're cool. In the future, a group of outcasts challenge a big city team to a violent sports contest. Wow. So you can see how that could spark a child's imagination. (laughs) And the review is derivative and pallid low budget science fiction film of little interest. (laughs) That is great. Of little interest. That's amazing. That is a spit in the face. Hard disagree. See, if you hadn't already told us it was a flop, that would have told us it was a flop. Yeah. I take it the critics didn't like it. Uh, yeah, as far as I can tell. But what didn't they like about it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Brody liked this movie. <laughs> no, I, I very much enjoyed watching it. It's a I, big like left turn from Jim Carter. Jim Carter is a really bad movie that's highly entertaining. And very this is, wacky. This is a fairly straight ahead, like yep. dour action, post-apocalyptic action movie. That's with some, 100% with some the world, world building, and it's like it's very tonally different. They both involve a game, and that's about all that's similar about them. Correct. Um, I think this movie's a fucking masterpiece. I legitimately love this movie. This is legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. No, you need to defend that statement. Yep. Because, like, it's not a good film. Like, there are a lot of hard flaws. disagree. There are, no, no, no. Look, I enjoyed watching it and everything, and like, I'm very much a fan of when movies are entertaining or interesting or fascinating to watch. They are good movies, but there are a lot of flaws with this movie. Oh, but every movie has flaws. I'm oh, not saying that. I'm not saying as that, glaring as this. Uh, uh, we can get it. We can get into that in a second. But every movie has flaws. There's no such thing as a perfect movie. That's just bullshit. That does not exist. There's, there could be movies that you love and think are perfect. But Ken, term- what about The Irishman? That is a perfect film. That's, let's not get completely off topic. I don't, I don't want to get into that a anyway. debate about the, about the Irishman. But there is a difference between, uh, and this is something that I've talked about a lot with other, with other people over the years, is there is a difference between um, looking at a movie uh, objectively on its craft, right, and looking at a movie subjectively on how you relate to it on a, on a, on a personal level. And... For me, this movie is a goddamn masterpiece on a subject on a subjective level. But you know what twigs it for me, and I I don't know how you feel, Kira, but like, don't you feel like it could have done with some explanation about the game, some like a little work in the front end to make us feel for the characters, like, and the interpersonal relationships, or something to say that like, oh, like in the in the later half of the film, there's a whole thing about like one team has a replacement and our team doesn't, which becomes like this uplifting moment when one of their offsiders steps in. And I feel like that's something that if we built that in something into the front end of that film, that would have been a bigger moment in the back half. 
where at the moment it's just like he stands in, gives a cheesy smile, and then we move on. That moment that you're referring to did get foreshadowed or you did get a reason to feel for that because there was the moment where he was like, well, I'm not scared to go to the city because they're not going to hurt me because I'm an old man. Yeah. And he's... Oh, yeah, okay. And he's been kind of their, like, trainer... He's their coach. Guy, their he's coach their coach guy. and their and their their doctor essentially. Yeah. So he's be, so I think that I think that's not your strongest argument. But in terms of should there have been like we both felt like we didn't really click with the movie straight away. And I think for me it was it was a little bit similar that it was that I didn't care about these characters quick enough because that's usually how I get into any movie. If there's a good character, I'll fall in love within three seconds of the movie starting. If there's not, then I might not care about the movie at all. But we, I felt like we got to know the girl and her thing. It took a while for me to care about Rupert Hauer and the other guys on the team. Um, yeah. That so, said. Mm, Rupert Hauer is so fucking cool. Yeah, he is. Like but that like, dude walks on screen and I don't give a fuck what he's doing. I just want to watch him. I jo- also jo- wonder Chen, whether. Though, didn't say anything for the first, what, 20 minutes of the her, film? But her actions speak to her characterization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's actually a really like, good so point. So here's my th- here's my thing is is that we talked when we talked about Jim Carter, I feel like you're going to need to people listening to this are going to need to watch it in order because I feel like we're always going to reference back to the previous episode. But Jim Carter was a movie that had very little information and felt like it was missing scenes and none of that made fucking sense. This is putting you into a world and expecting you to and expecting you to catch up. And those are two different things. And I think feel like I feel like this movie, you don't need the opening crawl tells you that that hey we're never going to explain the game and the dog skull. It doesn't matter. You're 100 percent right. Look, you're 100 percent right in the aspect of it's totally different from say Jim Carter, where there is a bunch of shit that happens. Where yeah, in the sense of the movie, there's no explanation for it, and where the the salute of the jugger, there's a concept that over the span of the movie you start to understand the game and although you may not understand the whole aspects of the game and how there can be strategy or how there cannot be well we, well they do get into that because they get into that when once she joins the team I know we're supposed to do this in order but it doesn't feel like that's going to happen um when she joins the team and they do their little training session, that's when you get the full rundown of how the game works because she tries doing it on her own and then she, they're like, no, the, you, you, the guy needs to protect her. Well, and, yeah, and it comes and this in is bits. How, and, and the, and, but it's in that whole scene. That whole scene but, sort of tells you all of that. Uh, I don't think you get the whole thing. You get, the, you get some aspects of the initial game where you, watch, where you watch it and you go, right, okay, they get the dog's skull on the spike and they basically beat each other up for the whole time. They track time by throwing stones. Which against, is awesome. I actually was like, what the fuck? And then the immediate beat after, I was like, no, that makes inter- that makes so much sense. Uh, we talked about the, we talked about this last time about things sticking in your brain. Mm. That's one of those things where I'm j- just like, that is stuck in my brain from the very first time I watched it. There are little things like that that are, you can tell someone had to think about that and was like, that's yeah. actually genius. So, it's silly, but that actually is genius when you think about yeah, it. Yeah. So the game itself. So I watched a uh, random fact of, fact aside. This movie, while not a big hit, inspired some Germans to create the game of Jugger that is still played to this day 
they play with like soft your like um like soft versions of the weapons. I imagine like gladiator tools. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And they actually play it. There is a documentary on YouTube about German jugger players Fuck called yeah. I Am Jugger. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't watch all of it, all of this documentary. I only watched the, watched the beginning of it. But the reason I watched the beginning of it was because there was an interview with David Webb Peoples, the direct, writer director. And I had never really seen him talk about the movie. So I, as soon as I found it, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, That's, that sounds awesome. He talks about the fact that his inspiration for the game was having read the novel or the, the, no, the short story of Rollerball. Oh, fuck. Which was later turned into a movie in the 1970s. Uh, starring James Kahn, which is another movie that is stuck in my brain from ch- from childhood. And so that kind of all of a sudden it clicked with me is that he wanted to create a violent, basically a violent game like Rollerball in Rollerball and um, and then kind of figured out and wrote some notes. And he said that, that the game was really brought to life by the stunt coordinator, um, a guy named Guy Norris, who yep. is an Australian who is also stunt quarter on Mad Max Fury Road and very recently James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Uh, um, he's a guy that's, a guy that's still still working. So that's kind of, for me, that's, it was fascinating because I didn't know the birth of the game and then that's the birth of, of the game in Salute of the Jugger. I very much appreciate, and you may not be able to keep this going, but I very much appreciate how there are a lot of Australians sprinkled out in this uh, not on pur- Not on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we had um, we had uh, Richard Norton in, in as General Zamir in, in Jim Carter, and then uh, and then Salute the Jugger being shot in Australia. Mm. Not a, not a, completely not a, not on purpose. But we'll get into that more. Cinematographer of this movie, uh, David Egby, also an Aussie who shot Mad Max, which uh-huh. makes sense. And I suppose we should probably talk about the Mad Max of it all. The Mad Max of it all. It's so clearly of a run of movies from the eighties that are inspired by. By Mad Max. Yeah, you can tell just by the way the characters are dressed that yeah. there's some inspiration taken from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could no. it could exist in that world, just not in that part true. of that world. Yeah, like if you went further into the desert where there isn't isn't cars at all. Yeah, you could probably find people finding and playing um jugger. Yeah, it feels like that. That's very interesting. <laughs> I don't think That's- it actually is in that world. Like they didn't plan it that way, but I think that that does feel that it could mm. be. So we. Should probably talk through the actual actual movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was making a point about learning bits about the game, but we can get into that later. Well, we can talk about that as we kind of exactly. as we as we move move through the movie. Yeah. So we open with we open with uh, the juggers arriving to a village in the middle of nowhere with very very little uh, kind of explanation. We get introduced juggers, to juggers. Juggers are coming. Juggers. Yeah, the kid kept running through town calling that made me think that we were supposed to be scared of the juggers, like yeah. it was a bad thing and they were going to come and kill us all. Juggers coming. Juggers coming. Juggers coming. Juggers coming out of access. And I think it's meant to be a big deal. He's also just yelling it into the desert when there is nobody <laughs> yeah, around. So He's yelling it for ages when no like one else is around. Like he's alone and practicing his yeah. voice for when he gets near people and he tells them juggers are coming. Yeah, and that <laughs> scene also goes for way too long. But it's it's also got the opening titles over it, so it's building the it's building yeah, the fair. 
the uh, I miss a good opening title sequence. I miss titles on the front of a movie, and because we don't really do that anymore. And I miss an opening sequence. Jim Carter again, also. It's got an opening sequence with the top, with the titles over it. Mm. It's a style that's completely fallen out of fashion. Now we often just get studio logos, and then the movie starts. And sometimes we get a title at the end. Uh, yeah. we, we sometimes don't even get a title at the front. Uh, a title at the front anymore. And I, I do am miss that ambivalent well. to title sequences. So Juggers Juggers arrive in uh, this small town. We're introduced to Joan Chen's character, Kidder, who's working in a field, and uh, obviously scampers off to go watch the the game being played. Against her parents' uh, against her desires. Parents, against her parents' wishes. Um, they begin playing the game and we kind of get a lot of vernacular about people. We learn about quicks and juggers and there's all, kind, all kinds of language around the game. And very quickly, um, our hero juggers, uh, quick, uh, dog boy, gets fucked up pretty good. Yeah. Uh, can I just say the, the opening of the second half or the second quarter, wherever Joan, Hen, uh, Joan Chen gets introduced into the game, the interaction between Dog Boy and Kidder? Yeah, Kidder. Great. Yeah, I'm going to break your leg. Oh, look. I, she's awesome. I don't want to be You're too talking graphic. talking about like not liking characters or not being into characters. Like she's such a bad oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't not like characters. If anything, the characters in this are the best part. Yeah, right. But yeah, it, it, the interaction at the start between Dog Boy and Kida, where don't want to be too graphic again, but he goes, I'm going to rip your tits up, bitch. I'm going to hurt your leg. I'm going to break your leg. So dope. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think um, earlier you said that you had trouble getting to like like the characters sort of early on and getting to know their dynamics and stuff. I yeah. think part of that could have also been that it's we were watching it on VHS and I had it, had trouble telling the difference between the teams during that first game because the quality wasn't particularly good. So you couldn't necessarily – I feel like if you saw it on, in a higher definition or you saw it in a better quality without the little lines going across the screen, you probably would have seen facial expressions and a little bit more interaction between our key characters and then we may have been more, you know – interested in them and also knowing which ones they were because I took yeah. a bit to actually know who I was supposed to be paying attention to my other than Dog was, Boy. Dog Boy was the only one that I could tell was I was supposed to pay attention to yeah. in that first battle. My thing was character motivations. Like mm. I liked the actual characters but in terms of like like every other character besides Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Rutger Hauer and Joan Chen, they didn't really have much of a drive. They just mm. want to play the game and win. Yeah. yeah. On that topic uh, about watching it on VHS, this is where I, as much as I'm committed to the bit for this podcast that we're going to watch this on VHS, there was multiple times where I was like, holy fuck, I wish I was watching a good yeah, copy Yeah, there were multiple times because where it's I was like, like fuck can. It's a good, because <laughs> it's a good looking movie, but you watching it in 4.3 with scan lines, yeah, you can't tell who's who. What I would say to you, and this is maybe one of the parts where objectively from a craft level, the movie falls down is I don't think that the, that the game is shot very well. I don't think that I think that there is an error in a rookie mistake for a first time director and watching this documentary about David Peoples, I believe he might say the same thing is that it's really fucking hard to tell people apart and everything is shot in mediums. Yeah, it there's, was. It was. There's no difficult. wides of the first of the first game. 
Yeah, it got easier towards the end, especially in the last it, when when we get to the the um, city or whatever the red, city, the red yeah. city. That battle was a lot easier to follow, and part of that is that their outfits were significantly different to well, each other. People, and people had red on them. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it made it easier to know who's who and and keep everybody in like knowing where they are on the field and stuff, which helps when that's the whole point of the story is to know what's happening in the game. I think I think by that point as well, you're also committed to the conceit of the game and, and how yeah. the movie is going, whereas I still feel like covering your face is a bad idea for a movie world, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, There's a reason that Ridley Scott put everybody's names on their helmets yeah. in Black Hawk Down yeah. so you can tell all the different fucking white boys apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, like, I fully think that this game, like, you guys can come at me as much as you want, but I fully think that this game is not fully thought out. I agree. I, and uh, that's why it's shot close, and that's why it doesn't really make sense until we've accepted the conceit of I, the movie. I agree. I'm, I'm willing to accept that we said that on a, on a craft level. On a conceptual, subjective level, I don't give a fuck because yeah, I fucking yeah, totally. love it. Because I love it. And as a kid, I fucking loved it. Like, why are they using a dog skull? That's so that's so weird. Why is this dude throwing stones? That's crazy. They're just beating the shit out of each other. It's it's amazing. So they really do just beat the shit oh, out yeah. of each other. There's, it's it's a hockey fight. If they it's a post apocalyptic hockey fight. If they if they planned out the game better though, I feel like that would have made the movie so much better because there are dead set scenes where you're just watching the quick like go oh oh how am I going to get through here and it's so obvious how they can get through here and no one's doing anything. You're like this is fucking ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't I don't disagree. And yet and also it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it to doesn't. Me. When it comes down to it, talking about those two things, the subjective and the objective, it just doesn't matter to, matter to me. Um, I'm willing to forgive that stuff because conceptually the movie works. And but also, I feel like I, I, and I'm things- super nostalgic. I'm like, I'm, I'm straight up. I'm super nostalgic about this movie because it's a movie from when I was a kid. But those are the things that you can see, like, say, we mentioned Alien. Like, those are the things where, like... Who mentioned Alien? Didn't you mention Ridley Scott? I mentioned Black Hawk Down. Oh, Black Hawk Down, <laughs> sorry. But you can see in things like Alien where, like, some of those scenes could be shot in a way or edited in a way where it looks silly because of the concept of what we're actually doing. But because... I mean, that's the entire... You. Uh, this is a complete tangent city, but that's... <laughs> That's what makes Alien amazing is because before that nobody had shot an alien like that. That's the conceit of that movie. Nobody had nobody before that aliens in movies were. I guess my point is the difference between good and bad movies can sometimes be directing. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Shocking. I know. Absolutely. I make such good, coherent points, guys. That is just guys. such a breakthrough moment on Move. this podcast. Good point, Brody. <laughs> Directing, it helps. I would like to point out that once again, we are at 40 minutes and we have not gone to the second scene of the movie yet. I, after running, uh, doing almost two hours on Jim Carter, which is significantly longer than the film runs, I was like, maybe for the second one, we should try to like stick to the running time of the movie. But I feel like that's not going to happen. Yeah, we are very good at talking shit. Absolutely. Mm. So after our introduction to the game, we get introduced to we get introduced to a little bit about the society that it, that the game exists in, and which is that the of the the players of of. Uh, I don't know if the game is actually called Jugger. It's just called The Game. They're Juggers. The game is called The Game. Yeah. Is that these uh, guys and girls travel around from town to town playing the game and that after you play 
the game in a town. You make a little bit of money for having having been entertained. They make tips. They put tips into the into the dog skull, um, and they also seem to get tipped with sexual favors by mm-hmm. the uh, by the sons and the daughter and the daughters of the of the town. Um, and while Kidda is uh, recovering from. Uh, getting the shit beat out of her in the game. <laughs> she gets She's real super excited up. because she got kicked by somebody from the league. Which is our first which is so the exciting. league. Which is as well, we said there's before. A, there's a there's a line earlier in the um in the first game where the we guy with the tattoo. Her. Yeah. He's got a league tattoo. So obviously yeah. if you played in the league you got a you got a tattoo. And that goes back to what we were saying before where nothing is explained but you have these little tidbits of information that is dropped which eventually makes a full which picture. Which I do respect very much so. There's no like information drops. Mm. And then after that we they head off into the you know the our heroes Rooker Howard and the rest of the team head off. I will just want to point out a few things about this party uh, after. So so the setup is each town has a jugger team and there's traveling jugger teams. Growing that's very cool. Very interesting idea. After each jugger game there's a big party. Very equal with the uh distribution of sex. Like like we see a scene where the jugger, the male juggers come up and take their feel of the women, but then we see the jugger women come up and take their feel of the men, which I very much appreciate. Yeah, Big Simba, as is her, her name. I don't Shut think the her fuck na- up, that's her name. That is her name. I don't think she's name-checked, but that is her name in the, in cre- the credits. In the credits, yeah. Big, Fucking dope name. Big, big Simba. Fuck, that's going to be my first child's name. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, she's awesome. She has very little to do in the movie in terms of acting or story-wise, but she is fucking awesome. Um, Gets the shit beat beat out of her all the time. Keeps going. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting that, like, after each game the dog skull gets put on a table and then the whole town, like, chucks some metal in. Yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah, the the money is... So metal scraps are... Which we don't find um, out until they're trying to get into the city again. Into the red city, yeah. Like, there's just these little pieces of information that are just scattered. it's easy to... Guess though, I assumed that that must just be their currency when, yeah. they, when I first saw and, them doing that. It's not really relevant until they're trying to get into the movie. Yeah. But I just, I really appreciate these little details that are just filtered throughout the movie and then not drawn attention to at all. And you can just kind of extrapolate, oh, this is a part of the world that they've actually thought about, but have <laughs> not drawn any attention to whatsoever. True. Not to keep on bringing you back to and jerking off Mad Max Fury Road. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the theme of the podcast. That is a that is a for me that's a really interesting story technique. Like not explaining the world building is something that happens very much in in Mad Max Fury Road, and it's something that happens in this movie where. But Mad Max where, had also like three or four movies beforehand where we have. But Fury Road on. doesn't. Fury Road in, introduces an entirely new culture yeah. that is has that is about uh, people that people that worship uh, engines and the V8 and, and true, all that kind of stuff. True, true, and true. none of that is ever explained. Again, in a similar way, you learn through the de- accumulation of visual de- visual detail. But the, you also fun. have a lot of attention drawn to it, though. Not a ton. But it's it's the main part of scenes, like the the shiny things, like he, he spray paints his teeth or whatever, and there's, like that, there's a whole part of a scene where that's the focus. Yeah. But there's also lots of little other details that aren't. Ex- yeah, true. I mean, yeah. Mm. I don't know what my point is about that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you like tiny yeah. details? I guess. Uh, following on from the party, mm. uh, the juggers make that make their way, and we see Kidda um, 
sneak off from town. She takes off from town to follow them and basically just kind of hangs out behind them until it becomes clear that Dog Boy can't continue because he's way too fucked up. I was <laughs> yeah. expecting her parents to be more angry about her wanting to go do this. Like they, they did sort of like try to talk her out of it a little bit, but because of the way he, the dad, I assume it's a dad, it could be a grandfather, but the older male person in the field was like, don't go no. watch the game <laughs> kind of thing. I was expecting there to be a bit more of a pushback, a bit more of a either, either her having to lie to them and just sneak out or them like going, no, you will not, I forbid it kind of a... So this pulls me back to the more emotional like through, uh, through lines of the movie, like... Yes, that is set up, and yes, technically those motivational aspects are but, introduced for the movie, but they're just, they're not strong. But what is stronger is the fact that we learn about her, about Kidder's determination as a person be, through their acceptance of her, of her leaving. Mm, I don't know. I think, I think that is very true, but I don't think that as well is obvious. Yeah, but there's a difference between subtle and absent. And so you're positing that this movie needs more meat on its bones and I'm telling you that the meat is there. It's just not smacking you in the face. Well, I, 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 yes, I'm not saying that it's not there. I'm not saying, I'm saying that I feel like it could be done better. I'm not going to comment that it can't, that it's not done well because I don't think I have the ability to kind of go, that's not done well because I can't even point out why it's not done well. <laughs> but I feel like it could have been better because, yeah, I picked it up too, but it didn't. I was like, oh, God, I just feel like it's not strong. Mm. We are getting very bogged down in craft this, this episode. Mm, yes. Already, I didn't, I love, I didn't, I'm a big fan of I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mind that they didn't get mad at her. I was just surprised. When that scene started, I thought that I knew where it was going. I thought it was heading to them forbidding her and her having to sneak out or whatever. Mm. Um, I did love the line where she was like, I, I'm going to win. And her mum was like, win what? It's a fucking yeah. post-apocalypse. Win what? And she's like, win well, you everything. To, and uh, I was like, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, that was pretty You cute. get to wear silk, motherfucker. Yeah, she yeah. She is obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed with silk is we that will, girl. We will, get in the, we will get in the silk. I did find it also pretty fucking rough on Kidder's behalf to break that dude's leg, chase him around the desert and be oh, like, she took fuck you, job. you can't fucking play anymore. She, she snatched, and took his job. She snatched his <laughs> life, man. Yeah. See, it would have been fucking awesome to see her Jeez. go I'm going to break that dude's leg I'm, and take his job like Kitta, in the instant Kitta and Joan Chan are so fucking cool and yeah. I have had a crush on Joan Chan since I was a very small child I've seen why she's and a fucking I, badass yeah she's amazing yeah she's incredible did dog boy die? Uh, yeah he probably just uh, starved to death in the desert no they, they, he said he was going to follow them to the next town and then he would ask about where they went so if he survived then he's just behind them somewhere. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, I was just curious whether I had missed him at the end. No. Um, so yeah, we get the transition of the from the old quick to the new to the new quick, and then we get a uh, we get a training montage where Kida learns learns the game. It was again. I don't want to half on about this, but was it a montage? It wasn't a montage, but it was a scene. It, but, it, like, the thing is, is, like, it kind of was because there was music playing and it was, like, it, them doing multiple scenes of them playing and training. But, like, I feel like it was one afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It feels well, like I it mean, was probably shot over one after. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the, <laughs> Not even. Normally with a training montage like that, you would be dealing with a character who doesn't know how to play whatever it is that you're training them to do or teaching them random martial arts that they will not need in a game in the future. <laughs> but um, in this case, um, she already knew how to play the game. They knew she already knew how to play the game. She just needed to learn how to play at their level. Yeah. And they yeah. needed to integrate her into their team of how they play and yeah. their strategies and make sure that her friend with the metal net protected her where he did Vincent D'Onofrio, who, again, I just want to reiterate, uh, is fucking sexy. His character name? Gar. Gar. Younger. 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 Because he he didn't protect uh, Dog Boy and that is why he broke his leg. So you've got, within the makeup of the team, you have Rukahawa, Big Simba, and, oh, my God, I don't know Delroy Lindo's character name. Uh, And Bulu. And Bulu, yeah. yeah, and um, the old those guys that are playing Gandhi, uh, whose real name is Gandhi, whose real name is Gandhi, yeah, the actor's real name is Gandhi, and then you have the the younger, the two younger players who are who are more ambitious to get into the to, league, to the league. Yeah. So after the after the training montage, they move on to the next town, Kolka, which we see is much more kind of populated. The first town we're out was fairly sparse. We get more populated. They w- play against One Eye and his and his juggers. Um, and we get uh, actually pretty good use of slow motion and minimal sound design. They drop out the sound and most of the sound, and then you just get one kind of specific sound for each kind of shot, which is kind of nice, little bit of technique. Um, but you, again, you can't tell who the fuck is who yeah. a- until Kitty goes for Mike Tyson <laughs> and chews off a dude. She's fucking was, ruthless, man. Yeah. She's fucking great. Yeah, I really appreciated how fucking aggressive she was. Hmm. It was, yeah, I definitely did a double take when I realised that she bit off a guy's ear. <laughs> Just casual. I mean, it's not, a, it's not at, I feel like that probably happens. It also doesn't seem like it's in a foul. In this game? Yeah. No. Doesn't I seem don't like think there are fouls I don't think she gets game. five minutes for, for ear chewing. I don't think that there are any kind of referees in this game. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no. No. Or rules, really? There seems no. to be very, deter- very, um... Specific roles for each person who's on, <laughs> yeah. who is on the field, but, but there seems to be two people with poles, and they do the exact same thing. Yeah, I I, I tried to catch the names of all the positions. Slicer, but I, slash, back, uh, backstop, or back something, backslash, maybe. Yeah, slash, backslash. Uh, uh, quick, and then. I don't know, chain twirly guy. Yeah. <laughs> chain twirly guy. Protector. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Vincent Philip D'Onofrio. Oh, yeah, he dropped that middle name in future future things. I know, but in the opening <laughs> credits, it's, it's oh. Um, but what I did appreciate is we kind of get a sense of the younger people, how Joan Chen is just really sick of her life and she wants a nicer life inside the cities and Vincent D'Onofrio's character, uh, Gar, is just a fucking asshole who thinks he's great. <laughs> and that's some character motivation, so maybe I'm wrong, mm. but I like uh more and more as the as the movie goes on. He By actually, the end, I actually really like him. Yeah. And can <laughs> for I a particular say, reason, but we'll wait till we get to it. <laughs> the acting as well, I feel was uh, it, look, I don't think Rutger Hauer has really great acting chops. I feel oh, like... Oh, fuck you. I feel like oh, he does Jesus. a certain <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? And maybe not oh, a great amount of range. You, I'm going to fucking show you a movie. I will I will take my will, words back when will, I'm proven wrong. You will eat those words. Okay. So. But 
but uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character Gar actually has some range and some growth over the movie. You know, yeah. not massive, not massive, but yeah. One thing that um, having watched it on VHS uh, was a problem for me is that I didn't actually notice that Rooker Howard's character only had one eye until like halfway through the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, he loses the <laughs> eye. Yeah, but <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> we haven't even got to that yet. Wow. Uh, so he has two eyes at he the does? start. Yes, he does. I must have just missed that. He when does he lose his eye? In a in a in a in a game later on. Oh, the game really? the game before they go to the city, he loses his eye. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I that's thought why, I just missed it. And maybe we're <laughs> well, jumping did, ahead. Like, oh. Maybe we're jumping ahead, but that's why once we get in the city, Joan Chen's character is like now I'm scared because you only have one eye. You can't yeah, play like you used yeah, to. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, another thing, this just reminded me again about the fact that we watched this in VHS in 4.3 in not the greatest quality ever, is that this is the kind of movie that streaming has made disappear from time because this movie is not currently streaming anywhere, mm. at least in Australia. I know that it's previously been on SBS On Demand, um, but also... There are websites. I've found it on a website. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. But to watch a high-quality version of this movie, you need to uh, buy the only Blu-ray release of this movie, which is Japanese Wow! and is currently on eBay for over $100. <laughs> of course you know that. Well, I looked it up for this because I was curious because I was watching this movie and there's that shot of them playing against the sunset, which is a little bit later well, with a giant sun in the sky. And I yeah. was like, fuck, I want to watch it. There is some watch beautiful shots I want to watch a HD this. version of this movie because there's some beautiful cinematography. Yeah. And and it, it I was like, looked quickly online to see if there was another way to watch it other than watching it on, on VHS. And there was not another way to watch it other than buying a Japanese Blu-ray for over $100. <laughs> There, there was I'm there was some shots watching this movie where I was like, this looks like a fucking Renaissance painting. This is dope. So yeah. I fully understand that. Mm. But, yeah, lost on the 4-3. Yeah. And then that night we get a little bit of exposition. We do get some, finally get some kind of like a little bit of a story story dump, as it were, a little bit of exposition about Salo having played in the league when he was very, when he was very young. Um, one thing that I noticed on Rooker Hauer's acting and his performance is that that dude's a fucking alcoholic. And I had never noticed that before. I've seen this movie so many times and he is playing a washed up drunk. Yeah. Even though we never see him drinking. We never see him drinking. See, this He's is the shit that lot. kills He's me. He's drunk a lot. And I swear I've never no- fucking noticed that before. That scene when Vincent D'Onofrio and Joan Chan have extremely painful sex. Oh, that's that's later. We'll get to, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. I'm jumping ahead. But that is that is the scene where he comes in drunk. Oh, he, but he's drunk before that. He's drunk when he tells the backstory to them. She asks, uh, Kida asks him a little bit about the about the backstory. Yeah, and um, and yeah, Sal- Salo is drunk in that scene. Rooker Howard is drunk in the, is drunk. I don't in remember scene. him being he's drunk. drunk in that scene. He's basically drunk in every scene where he is not playing the playing the game. Yeah, okay. I mean, that but that's until they get to the red. Until they because get to the most of city. the other scenes are parties, though. Doesn't it, necessarily. But even yeah. like his whole performance is right. yeah. I think it's uh, again subtle. I think yeah. it's I think it's him as an actor making it making a choice right. that is not necessarily reflected in the text, but he is adding to the text through his performance. Right. I really hope that the people who made this film thought about 
it as much as you think they thought about it. I absolutely. Because otherwise it's someone who has these ideas. David Webb Web Peoples is a co-author of Blade Runner yeah, and, the co- and the co-author of 12 Monkeys. If you think that that's not something he that, he, direct that it, he though, thought he? about. Oh, he did direct it. He directed, yeah, the, he he directed this, this yeah. movie. He only got one shot at directing, right? And maybe he's not, maybe uh, he would never have developed into an amazing filmmaker that still, that still makes movies. He hasn't had a credit in quite a, in quite a significant amount of time. He's also old. He's 82 at this point. Mm. At this point. So, but as a screenwriter, he's obviously somebody who pays attention to, attention to detail. So intention is absolutely in it. Whether or not he has the capability to execute his text at the level of detail of his of his ability to world create and screenwriting is a completely is a completely different different thing. This podcast is like the exact fucking opposite of Jim Carter. Like this is just deep in the weeds yeah. in terms of, in terms of craft, <laughs> after as opposed to just this. laughing our asses off about fucking pommel horses yeah. in, village, in villages. After talking about this, it's almost like this movie is made up of scenes that really you have to think about and actually have a lot of thought put into them but never get to a point where they have the classic movie trope of the alcoholism becomes an issue that he has to overcome to become our hero. No, he's just this fucking washed up dude who's not really our hero. Yeah, Ruka, and just Ruka, existing. Rooker Hauer is, a, is an, as an actor, and the, one of the things I love about him is he's just a dude that makes choices. Yeah. Like he, he, he's a guy that that in every single thing he's in he's got a thing right mm. he's got a, he's got he's got the way that he's approaching that role and this feels like with no knowledge of whether or not this is true or he ever discussed it with david peoples this is all speculation as always is it feels like he made the choice that Salo is a drunk and so he plays Salo as a drunk in in Almost I mean, it makes sense. Scene. Like, for, like, a, yeah, it would make sense for it to be written that way. It yeah. wasn't, but it, it does make sense because yeah. obviously he's, he's washed up. He was in the city, and now he's not. And yeah. yeah. So we we learned that Salo was kicked out of the league for fucking a fancy lady. Uh, they shouldn't have fucked. Um, we learned that players in the league are treated fancy and get to wear silk. They're Which almost counted as one of them. They're almost counted as one as one of the one of the fancies. Mm. Um, and that Salo insulted an overlord. Um, and Kitta begins her obsession with silk. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like? Uh, uh, oh, we'll get to it. It's okay. one of my favorite lines in the, yeah, mo- okay. in the movie. We'll get to it. We'll get I thought it was when I heard it, I was like, oh, that's that's very good. That's almost like like tears in the rain. Like tears in rain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get another playing montage, another party. Um, Kitta and Gar make eyes at each other. They have the very awkward attempt to uh, copulate. Which, because of the VHS and how dark it was, I thought was going swimmingly and they were really enjoying <laughs> it. Until Rooker Howard just... Rooker Howard swans into the scene and says, two juggers can't fuck after a game, rubbing wounds together. Still, Trey, I told you, two juggers can't fuck after the game. Doesn't work. Unless you like rubbing wounds against wounds. Yeah, and I really loved the choice of how like they don't he doesn't care about their fucking like there's no real love in this. There's just comfort in each other. Yeah. 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 And she sees Vincent D'Onofrio and goes, Yep, 
you. Sure. Yeah. And well, because they look at the the older men and women are underfed and skinny yeah. and, un- and unimpressive that are offered to them as sexual favors. Yeah. For having and played she the game she well. doesn't also. I felt like that was a choice about not wanting no. someone that's given to her. And you know, they, here's this young friend of hers. It's like, yeah, why don't we have sex? Yeah. And Made but, it a little bit you, more PC. But you are. <laughs> it's like try, two UFC fighters trying to fuck after a fight. Sure. Like it's just not going to happen. It's yeah. Gonna, and they just give work. up. And he's the ones in. He's like, I told you, you can't fuck. Like because yeah, yeah. you're all too sore which yeah. is a great great aspect of the movie and something of that as a, something that as a child I had no understanding of whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember my my father kind of laughing at this scene or kind of like being amused by it because mm. these two people are trying to have sex when when they're they have injuries and as a child it's just going straight over my head yeah yep. no understanding no understanding of it whatsoever um Kidder wants to know if it's if she's good enough to make the to make the league, and that to talk about character motivations that seems to be to be her thing. Yeah, again, I mean, it it comes down to subtleness of the film and going. Look, we don't have an out and out scene of her going. Oh, I need to leave this town, or oh, I need to better myself, or anything like that. We just see. I'm going to leave how this you, town and I mean, win. Th- how do you better yourself in this society? If what we see of it, it just seems like people are barely exi- barely existing. It seems like it is the obvious choice for someone who is a jugger to want to sure. be in the – it's like if you're a basketball player, you want to play in the NBL or the NBA. It's the National League. It's the yeah. big, It's the one where you get paid more and you get to wear silk. Like it yeah. kind of makes <laughs> and, it, and silk – must be as soft as the wind on your cheek. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. So beautiful. it does kind of like that's a fair, fair. It's actually more surprising that some of the others don't want to <laughs> yeah. give it a go. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess you risk getting seriously injured by the much better than you team. but Yeah, and I actually appreciated the fact where it's kind of like she's just going through life and hearing about new things and going, oh, that sounds like the next step. I'm going to do that, which is more true to life when you yeah. think about it. And anyway. she's younger than the others, so it makes sense for her to also have that kind of a opinion yeah. on things. Yeah, we get another montage of games, and in that montage, Salo loses his eye, <laughs> and he becomes one eye. He does, in fact, become one eye. Mm. Take it out, sew it up, so it doesn't get dirt in it. It's literally a line. I yeah, think I must have just blacked out just for that period. See, see, there is, is a section in the middle. It's a second act. It's the second act where we get a lot of the movie's pretty repetitive. Like it's yeah. game, after party, maybe a montage of a couple of different games. And we get after these party. droops of, of information yeah, throughout. Because yeah. the movie at this point is just, well, it's not spinning its wheels, but it's moving through time to get us to our final, de- our final destination. Yeah, because which is we the learn. Red, which is the Red City. We learn they've been making their way from Dogtown n- further and further north to f- beat better and better teams. But as they're going, each town is more and more deprived of food and sicker, but the juggers are tougher because they have to deal with harsher things. And the night before he loses his eyes when they're talking about going to the league, right? Yeah. And that's when they're actually laying shit on Rutger pretty much going, oh, I want to go to the league, oh, I want to go to the league. And Rucker's kind of against it. Then he loses his eye and he decides, let's go to the league. And now he's eyeless. And I feel like, again, 
the more we talk about it, I'm actually really fucking appreciating the fucking subtle choices. I'm really <laughs> appreciating the subtle choices because what I've just figured out is he loses his eye. And to him, it's dawned on him and he goes, if I'm going to make a go at the league again, it's going to be now or I'm going to lose my other yeah, eye. I mean, the choice and uh, the choice is to basically what happens is a young person comes along and motivates him because his choice is either to continue to do what he's doing, keep losing fucking eyes, mm. keep playing in shitty towns where there's no there's no good pay and uh, and skinny people to have sexual favors from. Yeah, and he's he's dealing with a loss where he got kicked out, where he was on a high being kicked out and now he's trying yeah. to scrounge his it's, life. It's a yeah. classic it's a classic he was, you know, he was the best and he blew his knee out in the yeah. first in the yeah. first quarter and never played in the never played football again. Like it's it's a part of that's the thing. This is a secret inspirational sports drama. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I yeah. love a good inspirational and sports drama. I am hardcore for inspirational sports drama. <laughs> We'll get into we'll get into I'm gonna I have a little bit of stuff for that for that later. But it's a secret inspirational sports drama. That's what this movie that's the basis of of, of the movie. We see ocean, which is kinda cool. They do they when do we see ocean. Oh my god, this oh, is yes, walking yes, along yes, the yes, coastline. Yes, yes, yes. Rooker Howard takes a shell out of a out of a little sea little sea pool. And then we kind of jump to them being now so good that they just win like really quickly. Yeah. The movie doesn't even really, we don't even really see them win quickly. We just go to like a post game where they're like 20 something stones. That was too easy. Yeah. And they're talking about how dope they are. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're, they're probably too good now. Yeah. Um, and then Salo turns and starts walking towards the red city. Yeah. Um, Interesting point here where two of his teammates are deciding that they don't want to go to the league and they have a bit of a confrontation about it. Yeah, classic refusal of the call. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Is this the hero's journey? Uh, I mean, yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so they don't want to go. Uh, uh, Big Simba, my girl, doesn't want to go. And uh, Mbala doesn't want to go. And Bulu. And Bulu, sorry. Um, I only know because I got it written down. Thank you. Um, and they don't want to go. And we have uh, Rutger Howard. He's just determined. And he's like, well, see you later, champs, and starts walking. But no, he's the pull is the the uh, power of friendship. What would we call it? The, the loyalty is too strong and they start following. The salute of the jugger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you've done. Sorry, you did <laughs> yeah. Also, does the cover make more sense to you now? Because that is, in fact, the salute of the jugger that ah, they are doing. Ah, yes. Even though ah. nobody, even though nobody in this world has nails like that. Yeah. Is that meant to be Joan Chen? That's meant to be Joan Chen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, she would she, not have nails that's like the dope. That's it would the be jugger dope. salute. It, it would be dope if she had nails like that in this post-apocalyptic world. She's she, just got like fine. She just like, maintains like these claws. Total, yeah. Total like French. French Neither nails. of these arms look like anybody in our team. Also, yeah. you guys may not, uh, you can can't, can't really tell, but, and this comes down to covers in video stores again, is that the arms are actually built out of the cover, so they're puffy and built out of the cover. Oh, they are too. I thought that was just the crinkling of the no, paper. No, it's not. So they were designed. They're designed like that. So uh, the copy that we've got is fairly is fairly damaged and damaged and old. But when this was in a video store, those are three D like sticking out of the, I love that. out of the cover. So again, as a kid, 
that grabs your that attention. Grabs your, for it sure. grabs your attention. Yeah. So they also, had the muscles are puffy and stick out of the stick out of the cover. I wish Rutger Howe was this jacked. <laughs> Rutger Howe wishes he was that jacked. Yeah. And I wish they wore like these <laughs> knuckle dusters with spikes yeah. on them. Um, but yeah, just jumping back to the very start, it was very cool at the end of the game where they did the full salute to each other and it's like, oh, the game's finished now. We're best friends. Let's fucking party. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Well, about because the whole, there's honor in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really do appreciate that. Yeah. It is nice that they're, that they never like jump the other team after the game. Like everybody's very respectful of. Yeah, I'm gonna kick. I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break your leg. I'm gonna chew your ear off, and then we're gonna have drinks after. Yeah, Yeah. it's very nice. And also, would you like to have sex with my son or daughter? Yeah, (laughs) it's a little bit like how in the UFC people hug. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the respect of warriors to it to each other. Yeah, and you always love to see it when people fucking hate each other or don't shake hands after a game like that. You're like, ah, you loser. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Where were we? Outside the Red City, so we arrive to the outside of the Red City. We get some dunes. Um, again, we get more. Inf- we get more information kind of dumped in that. Um, no league team has ever been beaten in a, ch- in a challenge. No league team has ever made it past thirty stones. Twenty six stones. Twenty six stones. And that was the time. Salo went twenty six stones in his challenge, and that was nobody has ever gone more than twenty six stones. Yeah, and Vincent D'Onofrio's character, young guys like. Oh, it'd be good if we went 300 stones, right? And I was like, Pfft. even I was like, you ain't making 300 stones, buddy. <laughs> Three times 100 stones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they do. They pay with metal, which is the continuum. Very Fallout. Mm. Just was like, oh, yeah, Fallout. Yeah. Fallout, fallout vibes. But it, it's that scene I really appreciated, appreciated how it's like, oh, you're showing your spoils at the gate to see whether or not you can come in or like you're paying an entrance fee. Yeah. And that's just showing you're like, oh, right, that's what they were connect- collecting at the end of the game. Mm. And they take an elevator ride very deep, ridiculously deep. So deep. So deep. That's so, a very, very long elevator ride. So deep that they sleep. Mm-hmm. I would not have enjoyed that elevator ride. Yeah, really. but that is an interesting point. So deep that they sleep because how long are they on that elevator ride? Is it, it feels not- like it's probably hours, but it also feels like it probably goes real slow. That's true. I just, I it, that whole scene, I was just wondering, like, first of all, can you get that deep into the earth? <laughs> like, isn't there a point where you physically cannot go further down because of, like, gravity or something? Oh, yeah, and because of, you know, the lava and... and, the, and the, <laughs> lava, which we all know is existing under a the, certain amount of earth. And the uh, the dinosaur civilization. Oh, yes, correct. But, yeah. From Super and, Mario Brothers, the movie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Can we watch that next? It's on the list. Okay, great. That's actually one that I've seen. Again, a movie of insane choices that somehow managed to actually be made. <laughs> um, yeah, and also what I kept wondering is what the fuck happened to this world to the point where they have to be that deep under the earth to actually live well? Global warming. Ooh, that's ve- that, that could be po- very possible. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, you don't get any any hint of it, which is so frustrating to me. Either do you really in in the original in the original Mad Max, but you don't worry about it in in the original Mad Max. Like that's the thing. There's space mm. to worry about it in this movie. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, agree to disagree. No, I mean, there's been a bit of that. <laughs> um, 
we go to the Red City. Red City is fucking awesome. It's a it's either a factory or a mine that they built they built out in a set, and there is tons of extras. There's a bunch of bunch of bunch of extras. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I kind of like the production the production design of it. There's a giant stone head, um, which is kind of weird and fun. We get a fun little bit with Gandhi uh, ordering food. It's probably the only real humor in the movie. It's probably the only real kind of Which gag. bit is that? Uh, Gandhi is standing with a uh, food seller and he orders six of something. He's like, oh, six, six, give me six. And Rukahau wanders away and he goes, oh, no, 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 five. And then Kidder wanders away. And then the guy comes over with six and he's like, no, 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 no. I ordered four. No, no, I ordered four. <laughs> Good old Gandhi. And it's the only, it's the only real kind of joke that's in the that's in the movie yeah it is a very dry movie it's, it's very serious it's yeah. very it is very it is very dry but yeah this scene is also when we get young gar talking shit about Rutger's character don't we um i didn't write notes about it where he was like that fool he that fool he no fucked that's, it up. After. Uh, that's after okay, okay. it's after the challenge yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, which is where we're going to go to next? So they present, um, they present themselves to some crusty dude in a robe to show their dog skull. Australian actor. This is the part that I like. Show their dogs. Their, uh, oh no! Actually, before they do that, oh. <laughs> sorry. Before they do that, they go to the um, Kitta and and uh, and Salo go to the arena and watch a game of Jugger being played in the mm. in the arena. And it's super quick. It's super violent and super super quick. We get introduced to Lord Vile. <laughs> Subtle. I mean, we talked about subtlety. Mm. Lord Vile, played by Hughes Keys Byrne, who you lost us is toe cutter in the original Mad Max and in Morden Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. Fuck off! Fuck yeah, he is. He's awesome. He's a, he's an uh, Australian British Indian Indian actor um, who again uh, passed away. Not quite, a, I think, not quite a year ago. Wow! Um, and we will also see him again in the Man from Hong Kong. Cool, uh, cool, 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 cool. Australian movie that that we will definitely be talking about on the podcast. We also get at this point his lady friend doing the blood of the hero thing. Fancy lady, yeah. uh, fancy lady drinking, tasting, tasting blood. The blood of the hero. <laughs> the blood of the hero. Yeah, and. Salo has a conversation with with Gonzo, a player of, who is a player in the league. Is this where the food is? Where there's the little food spill? No, nope. no, no, I again, love that. Uh, rushing ahead. So that guy is played by Max Fairchild, who again is an Australian actor who's in Mad awesome. Max and Mad Max Two. This guy is great. fucking awesome. How good is he? Yeah, like he has so such good. a small role and he makes such an impression. He fucking chooses the scenery. Hey, yeah, he, yeah. He, um, I swear this guy's been on like. Play school, like he's a proper big Australian actor. He's right? definitely been in. I looked up his credits and I and I knew I knew him from the from the first two Mad Max movies, um, uh, but didn't take note of television that he'd been in. But he's definitely somebody who has been around the industry a long time, and and as far as I know, is still is still working. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he fucking does a very cool job. And yeah, he is, don't fuck with the nine cities. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. Mm. Um, Kidder is scared at that point, doesn't think that they should, that Salo should play with one eye. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they challenge across the old guy in a robe um, where they show off their dog, their dog skulls. And I think that the part that you, I know what part you want to talk about. You want to talk about the part yeah, you want to talk about? Yeah, I want about? to talk about, so they all walk in and they like stand and 
are all fairly serious when they present themselves to the people, except for our friend Gar, who comes in and, and swings his thing around, <laughs> and it's super awkward because he's like trying to show off, but then and, and, and then, everyone's and then, like, no, 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 and no. then he just kind of sulks away. Like, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. It was so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be cool. He's trying to be badass and cool. Yeah, and just comes off as kind of like pandering and lame, really young yeah. and dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I loved him from that. It kind yeah. of that gave, was great. It kind of gave me um. Hunger Games vibes. Yeah, a little bit. Katniss shooting the arrow at the fancy at the fancy people trying to get their, their yeah. Attention. Except that was in, that was That's impressive in that in that scene. And yeah, in this scene kind of it was just like yeah. Um, uh, it was cute. I loved it. Yeah, that was really very funny. I thought he was meant to do it, and then when everyone was like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> He almost fucked up. And then so that's the second point of humor. And yeah. then there's the scene where they talk. They so they have to wait to find out. Lord Vile spots Sallow, obviously yep. recognizes him, and they have to wait to find out whether or not their challenge has been accepted. Um, and can I just clear up as well? Has Big Simba and Mbolo? Mbolo. Mbolo. I think they played into the, the league. As I well. get the impression that they played in the league. They played in the league as well. But they don't have league tattoos, I so know. I feel like maybe they've seen. Maybe they have just challenged before. And oh, not been successful. that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because they seem like they're veterans as well. Yeah, yeah, they know what's going on. Yeah, they've definitely done something along these so lines before. So yeah, you might be right in that they've challenged and and failed, mm-hmm. whereas Salo had challenged and, and played in the played in the yeah, league. Yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. We then get Vincent D'Onofrio spouting off, spouting off, saying he fucked up. Yeah, he um, again, nice acting moment. Just because like he just has a moment to just break from the rest of the team and be like, "Fuck this dude that we follow around." Like he's actually not that great. And also after the one, after he was the one that was kind of a dick in the yeah in the challenge. But like see, maybe again, he, little maybe sprinkles of subtle acting, like he's embarrassed, so he wants to spot. We're off. talking about it, so I don't understand why you're not fucking because you I didn't fucking get down it on the movie. first time. You need to watch it twice, and you also need to not watch it in half at a go. Yeah, I was or falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, I was falling asleep when I was watching the first half, and then in the car in the second half, and there's just these little things that I've missed. That's why I reminded you on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my life has been crazy. Oh, chaos. <laughs> um, uh, Kidda and Salo go to the weird uh, vertical bunk bed hotel. Yeah, it felt very ja- very Japanese. I liked it. I liked it. And the very strong power move by uh, Kidda going, just give one. We'll share. We'll save you money. <laughs> I really appreciated how she is. I really appreciate in this movie where, because it is in a time where you didn't see very strong female characters, I feel. You saw like stereotypes and you saw like over-sexualized stereotypes. It depends on what you're watching, but yeah, in general. Yeah. As a generalization, yes. And both Big Simba and uh, 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 Kidda are, they're not non-sexual beings. But they're also sexual beings without being offensive stereotypes, which I really appreciate. There is absolutely a version of this movie that exists where only dudes play. Like, yeah. Like in another filmmaker's hands or or whatever. There's yeah. definitely a version where this is a game that men that men play and there's no female female characters whatsoever. Yeah, and the scenes after it would be grotesquely fen- offensive to modern eyes because it's like they're yeah. presenting women to but these. But John Chan kicks ass and she kicks ass into a bunch of a bunch of movies yeah. as well. I just appreciated that she came onto him. She was very sexually forward with both her sexual partners in the movie and it's wasn't 
she wasn't a pure person. You know what I mean? And she was an over-sexualized stereotype. I just thought it was well handled. Yeah. yeah. Well, even later on in the challenge, um, the quick on the opposing side uh, mistakes her for a man. Mistakes her for a boy. Yeah, it's a quick, he, there's a throwaway. There's yeah, a throwaway he line. says something. He says something about the, the he's he, good. He's good. The quick, the quick on the other side is good. Ah, another little subtlety sprinkled Which, in. I guess when you're playing a game like that, you would, like, I mean... She's not overly feminized because nobody's particularly overly feminized. Yeah, I mean, there were shots where I mistook her for a guy. Yeah, so yeah. and and the way that they dress, you you wouldn't know whether or not the quick is a man, man or a woman. Yeah, I bet again this vertical hotel just cuts yeah. in a wall. Very genius. It's kind of cool. Yeah, huh? that feels like somebody. That feels like we scouted a place and we saw this thing and then we decided to build this thing because we had this place where we could where we. Could yeah, go very it. true. It's really cool. That's again in terms of things stuck in my brain from childhood. That is stuck in my brain from, yeah. from childhood. Um, I have a memory that doesn't exist. <laughs> I remember there being a massive wide shot where you see like lots of beds and and, but I think that I have taken a shot from another movie and inserted it into this movie in my in my head. Yeah, I because feel like you, I've seen shot, something like it's that. It's shot mostly. It's actually shot mostly closer than I remember it. Being That's shot. this whole entire movie. Yeah, there is no wides in this whole fucking movie. There is, there is. When they're walking across <laughs> landscape. Yeah, that's it. So they can fit all of them in yeah. there at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, more talk about silk. We so get much silk. Skin with no scars mm. must be soft like silk. You slept in silk. With women with no scars. Sometimes. It must be soft. Skin with no scars. Like silk. I like scars. And then they fuck. Mm. Well, it's implied. That they, yes. That, that yeah. Yeah. Well, the next time we see her, she's naked, so we assume something happened. Yeah, maybe they both like to sleep in the nude and they just want to give each other a nice kiss. Good night. Yeah, I mean, could be Um, just that innocent. But, yeah, no, I I really like that line as well. Mm. It was uh, apt and kept that silk through line. Mm. And then uh, Gar shows up yelling about, the challenge being accepted as everybody else in the bunk bed hotel tells him to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Our challenge has been accepted. Who cares? Are we going to talk about the expensive food yet? Uh, Yes. So they put rice in a crocodile. Is it rice? I, it looks no, like no, rice. no, no, no. Okay. It is. It's it an is, iguana. No, it is not. Komodo? It is not. It is a Komodo dragon. Okay. It is 100% like a, a Komodo, Komodo dragon. Are and a Komodo dragon not the same thing? <laughs> Very close. I know about movies. But I, I feel know a like, lot about fauna. <laughs> I feel like they are using an ice cream scooper to take uh, uh, its flesh out. That's what I think they're doing. I, think, I read it as rice, but it could very well have I been think it's, flesh. I think it's it's inner flesh because it's kind of cut open yeah. by VHS. Yeah, yeah. I thought that they were just using it as a bowl. Also, is, there's is a this? giant golden face. Yeah. Where? There's a giant, like there's like a statue of a giant, oh, like yeah. half face, and there's a lot of like art and the, stuff. So the we, Renaissance, so yeah, because this is our yeah. first view of like the of the of the fancy, fancy world of the aristocrats, and we get to see the, the mangled nice, face nice of um, what's his what's his name, the uh, enemy player, Gonzo, Gonzo, Gonzo dressed With up his, all like, fancy, and his is so metal, funny, yeah. metal plate in his head. 
I love that dude. He is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get to see his inner struggle of like, oh, this guy I used to play with and you want me to take him out? Well, yeah. Lord on v- purpose? So yeah, Lord, the Lord, honour. Yeah, Lord Vile has a conversation with him about how he's going to be playing in a challenge tomorrow and he's like, I don't fucking play in challenges. I leave challenges that to the young men. To the, for kids. So Lord Vile has allowed the challenge but wants wants Sallow to get fucked up. So basically it's a trap. It's a setup. Yes. Setup situation. So he asked uh, Gonzo to take out his other eye Yep. So that he'll be wandering around eyeless and not even be able to play the game that he's so good his, at. And break his legs. Yeah. He mm-hmm. wants him to do both those things. Very good. And then we get to the challenge. 100 stones three times. Mm-hmm. And Gonzo doesn't hurt him. He gets his friend to pin him so that, he's, so that, so that his friend doesn't get hurt. Yep. So I've... Got some. I've got something. Are you ready to have your your minds blown? Mm-hmm. So, we first we learn that challenges are basically tryouts, and that nobody comes to watch because they're usually junior players, and they're usually over in like five to ten. This is the part of the film years. where everything starts to make sense. All the little pieces of information drilled throughout the movie start to make sense, and they actually give you full pieces of information, yeah. which I really loved at the end of this movie. So Gonzo tells another player called Bone, I don't think his name checked, but his character's name is called Bone, to put a pin on Sallow. Bone is General Zamir from Jim Carter. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's Richard Norton. I literally was about to say, Bone, also a good-looking man, and I did go on about General Zamir in the last film. <laughs> they look fucking completely different. He does look different. I see... I was pretty. I knew Richard Norton was in this movie, and he played a character called Bone. And watching it through, I was like, I think that's him. This is something like this is like five years later. Fuck. I think that's him, but maybe it's not him. So I actually Googled Richard Norton Bone saluted the Jugger to find a photo, and that character that character came up, which confirmed it for me. And then when I looked at, then there was another photo I saw of him like shirtless doing martial arts. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Jim Carter. And that is bon- like the, that yeah, photo connected yeah. the two the two images. But, yeah, he looks a little he looks a little different. Yeah. But that is General Zamir from yeah. Jim Carter. Well, there you go. He. Uh, yeah. So, first of all, that's fucking awesome. And please keep doing that every podcast. Oh, if I there will. can be a connection in every podcast, that would be great, which oh. you probably could do because I don't know if anyone else knows this. We know this, but our audience, if anyone's listening, wouldn't know this, that Ken is insane at six degrees, which is usually played with Kevin Bacon. He can be- do six degrees of anybody and yes. usually doesn't need the six. I mean, I have been beaten. It's not like I've never been beaten. I have been beaten, but yes. By I'm, who? I'm very good at, I'm very good at that. Fellow film nerds. Oh, you couldn't, you couldn't connect people or yeah, people have beat, beat, beaten you? Yeah, I have, I've, been, I've been given something that I couldn't connect. Couldn't connect. That's so it has, it has happened. That's shocking. But yeah, if you could six degrees every film for us, that would be great. I'm, I mean... That was the point. <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was some through line to these. Um, I feel like I'm being exposed. <laughs> I feel like this podcast was like, it felt like a great idea on paper, but now people are just going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Your mind pulled bare. Um, and this is the point where we're told General Zamir is going to pin uh, 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 Rutger. And he's like, why? Is he good? And then uh, Zumba or whatever, Gonzo. <laughs> Zumba. 
Because he used to be. See that one? The slash? Huh? Yeah. I'll put him down. You put a pin on him. A pin in a challenge match? Do as you're told. I'll have him down in two. And why can't I play him? Do as you're told. Was he good or something? Not anymore. These scenes, those kinds of scenes are the scenes that really stuck out for me because they're just really well worded. They're real, like the dialogue's great, the acting is great, and we actually get Hmm. all these little drips and drabs of information actually come together for us. And I think this is the first instance where the game is well shot as well, which is a shame that it's that's debatable. It's it's. Better shot. Better shot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can, you get a better sense of geography and who's where and what's, and what's happening. And I think it's probably because thinking about it, and this is just kind of on the top of my head, I think it's probably because they had more time mm. at this set, where, at this location. Cause they do the whole back half, a third of the movie is in this place. Yeah. So, and they built a set or used adapted a space for the for the arena. So I think that they probably had access to it for longer and so therefore there was more time to shoot things is kind of what is I feel like it might have been a little bit better planned out because it, this is the yeah, high point well, of the movie. Well that's the other thing is that there is specific action that needs exactly. to happen to tell you the story. You don't get those random shots of the actors just kind of stepping in and just banging net, against null each space. Other. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely a better shot. And the game goes better than they expected to, and they begin actually to kind of hold their own against the others. Joan Chan gets to do some cool wrestling moves. She yeah. does, in fact, do a t- like a kind of a. She does a, uh, a like a schoolboy pin. Yeah, there's a and a, and a hurricane runner. She does. She um, does. Which is which is really cool. And the we get Lord Vile explaining the game. He becomes Lord Vile the explainer. When? He's kind of just ex- he's explaining um, what's happening to his fancy his fancy lady yeah. which I'm pretty sure that fancy lady is the one that Sallow yeah I, I assumed him. as much yeah. as well yeah um, yeah because he explains that oh the guy pinned him so he won't get hurt yeah like they do a little bit more exposition than we have gotten in the entire kind of rest of the rest I of think the that is necessary because the scene before where he's like pin him I'll take care of the rest Mm. Um, that seems a little bit sinister, that scene, and we don't know that that's a positive thing until we get Lord yeah. Vile going, he's pinning him to save him. To protect him, yeah. Which I think is necessary because it would not have come across at all until we're like six scenes later and he's still being sat on and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> They've <laughs> yeah. just taken our main actor out of the play. I think it would have become clear because the guy was like, they were chatting with each other yeah. while they were waiting for the game to finish. <laughs> that's very just- true. Yeah. Rooker how I was like, fuck you. Yeah. He's like, and that, I'm just trying to take like, care of you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Settle want down, to, old man. Yeah, relax. I, um, <laughs> I once, <laughs> once tried to cure in a country. It was a whole deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim Carter. <laughs> really dynamic way of moving and fighting. Mm. It's mm. an explosive combination of gymnastics <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'm see if I can work that into every episode. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, uh, oh God, what happens next? Will we, they well, make it 100 stones? Will they stones? make it 100 stones? And That's as right. they get to 60 stones. Gandhi starts counting and Gandhi's, he's like, what the fuck, yeah. What's going on? Like it, the movie kind of starts to rise yeah. and it's kind of energy and stuff. And then and the kid runs through the town and is like, they've got to 60 stones, they're still playing. And then everybody comes to watch because yeah, they so Yeah, dr- they draw a crowd. They actually, they actually draw a crowd. I'm curious about 
How does one get the job of stone thrower? <laughs> uh, I think you just have to be there on the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that guy, because that guy, he seems official. Well, he seems very official, but he also seems real tired after about 50 stones. <laughs> I mean, which I thought you? was a nice detail. <laughs> like, this motherfucker's been, been throwing stones at the challenges, just cruising. Yeah. And as soon as they get to, like, over 50 stones, he's so fucking tired. That's actually well, he very only interesting. Ever has to throw 26 it's stones. It's actually, but like, a true. really nice detail. Like, that's that actor making a choice or being directed yeah. to, make a, to make a choice where he's, like, fucking exhausted by the time that he gets to 100 stones. Because what we actually... <laughs> actually find out from the Komodo dragon scene as well from Gonzo and Vile talking is that even the pro matches only go about 30 stones because he's like, Oh, it, oh yeah, he did he very that, well. Yeah, and, and he's like, it Oh, should have ended it should have ended by, by 26 stones or whatever. And he's yeah. like, Oh, we'll end it quicker next time. So you get a sense of, no fucking match goes for longer than 30 stones. Well, they talk about the yeah. game being quicker, faster, and more, yeah. more brutal. So, yeah. yeah, I guess maybe games are real real fast. Yeah, so, so for any match. That guy's definitely not used to throwing 100 stones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. Stones, it's not like the stones are very heavy, but I guess he has to do the whole, like, slow Everyone around the stadium has to hear it. It's got to be thrown pretty hard. And Well, if you think about baseball, like 100, 100 pitches at... Yeah. X amount of miles an hour and, and then they take a pitcher out. Yeah. yeah. And it's not as though, and he has to throw at the same pace. So it's not as though he can take a break. He has to just keep He's got to keep a the- rhythm. Yeah. And I loved this shot when they come back. This is jumping ahead a tiny bit. When they come back to the stone thrower and instead of the sparse stones he has around at his feet that he's just throwing haphazardly. He now has set piles. His, yeah, because he's, <laughs> because the game is going to go. They he, believe he, in this team, the yeah. Stone thro- the stone thrower is like, these fucking Fuck, dudes are going to there throw. are subtle details just fucking jizzed all over this fucking movie. It's just splattered. How did I miss this? That's a very unique choice of words <laughs> that I'm going to leave in because if I'm going to get exposed, you're getting exposed, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and this is where the movie really becomes post-apocalyptic inspirational sports drama, which mm. is 100% my branded gum. See, is this is so what I would have jam. loved for... Ha- show us the less movie. games and make them more climactic. Yeah. Oh, we get... Quarter time. It's not really quarter time. First hundred down. First hundred down. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we're going to call it. First yeah. hundred. That's now the official name. First hundred. First, we get first hundred down. <laughs> um, and uh, Big Simba is all kinds of fucked up. Yeah. From the first hundred. From the hundred stones, and she can no longer play. But she put in a fucking heroic effort to get to that point. She gets crippled, and then just jumps on a big motherfucker's feet to stop him getting to the quick. Yep. Yep. And uh, Gandhi then suits up. Yes, but don't don't steamroll my man Gandhi. He no, fucking he. We'll talk about like what he actually does because it's really because it's really cool. Yeah, so we get to a point where uh, the first hundo down is done, and the other team gets to pull in their uh, substitutions. Yeah, they get subs. and our boys, our, our team are fucked up, and they're like they they're getting substitutions. What are we going to do? Yeah, oh, they it's thought so they were going to have to fight with four, and then and yeah. then our wonderful old man steps up. Yeah, our wonderful Gandhi fucking steps in, and goes, "No, there's five of us. Five, five of us." Yep, Lord Vile is pissed that Gonzo didn't that Gonzo put a pin on on Salo. Gonzo gets some cool dialogue and and again like fucking ch- scenery cheering performance yeah. where I yep. he says I've I've um oh, I can't remember what he says something he about said something like I've never put someone on the ground to put a 
I never hurt. Some, I've never hurt somebody other than to put a put a, a skull, a dog skull, on a on a stick. Exactly. Yeah. But there's a line about uh, about. Oh, there's a great line about blood that I've forgotten. Lord Vile, a broken jug is in half, smashed their bones, and left the ground behind me, wet with brains. I'll do anything to win, but I never hurt a soul for any reason but to put a dog skull on a stake. But you didn't put any fucking dog skull on any fucking stake. No challenge has ever gone past 26 stone. This one won't go 26 more. I, I just want to just say as well, like there's a point at the start of the game before they start where uh, a, a kidder says, this is the first time I've been scared. I've always expected to win. Yeah. And that was a fucking cool moment yeah, because Rooker like, turns around and goes, well, then well, expect then, to. And then win. Yeah, well, then win. Yeah, that's right. And mm. that's when we finally And then she finally like, she, see, she's like, I'm going to win. Yeah. I've never been so scared before. Never expected to lose, that's why. I always expected to win, even when I was losing. Then win. Win. Because it kind of comes down to Rutger and he's just like, he's built in this team an expectation of you're only going to go 30 stones. So play hard and get the 30 stones. Yeah. But with Kidder, he's like, no, we're going to fucking win. I'm determined now. I'm going to fucking kill these guys. And that's where we finally see that switch of, no, let's be badasses. Let's yeah. not... Be the underdogs. Let's be badasses. Yeah. I really appreciate that. We're not playing that. to survive. We're playing to win. Exactly. Round two, 100, 100 stones two times. Uh, the plebs are like super pumped. The crowd is like super, super into this. Turns out that Gandhi actually has skills. They they come up with a plan to do a fish hook. Who knows what the fuck that is? Yeah. He kind of does like this. He breaks a dude's ankles to yeah. use basketball parlance and then puts an arm bar on him, basically. Yeah. I thought it was a leg bar when you do it with you. Because he gets him with his legs, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hasn't he got his arm? Oh, yeah. He's no, no. You're right. It's an arm bar. It's an arm anyway, bar. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's an exact uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more. But, but it turns out that Gandhi actually kind of has has. But this skill. is the first time seeing it makes this sense. Is, I mean, he was the coach, so you would expect him to know how to play. I guess you just don't expect him to still have skills. But see, this is what I, I this is the prime example of what I should have used, where it would have been great to see in that training montage them talk about a fucking cross or a fish hook. Yeah, we don't really get. Well, this is something that happens when in the first hundred stones, the uh, Red City uh, players are like calling out moves to each other yeah. and strategy like B8 and it sounds like fucking chess moves. Yeah. You know, pawn uh, to bishop whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a dog skull. And yeah, I, I would have been great if there was actually like play calling and kind of strategies and communication between the players. Yeah, so like we game. knew what were going on and we were like, oh, is it going to work? Yeah. You know? I honestly think that it comes down to the fact that it's not a huge budget movie as many yeah. of the movies we're going to watch. Time is time is a factor and you have a first-time director that, who knows? You yeah. Know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. I just think it's a shame that something like that wasn't introduced. Yeah. Mm. 
Yes, I agree. I agree. But Gandhi, that motherfucker's been carrying a closet around the desert. So yeah. of course we should have expected I him to have gas. I love yeah. his I love that he's carrying a fucking Yeah, wardrobe, it's a dope little it's a dope little thing. It's where they keep all their gear, right? Like that's yeah. why they you have assume. a closet. And all his like whatever he uses to do, you know, medicine. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I love how it's not mentioned throughout no, the whole film. No, they never explain film. it. It's never they addressed. just always have it with them. <laughs> Salo uh is fired up. He fucks up Gonzo real good. Yep. Um, and then like makes direct eye contact with Lord Vile. Mm-hmm. Like I got your boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great line where I don't know if you want to talk about Endgame just yet, or we can get to there. Uh, if you, it's it's like the line. I, if I think that I think that you're going to talk. Where about Where he's like, I forgot that you were better than me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so yeah. good. That's, I, well, that's not the line, but yes, that is a great. That is a great. Yeah. Great line. Um, and they're actually pretty quickly, the owl juggers get to the point where they're going to, they're going to win. Yeah. Which again, the only thing is him beating Gonzo in the fight, which kind of times, uh, uh, turns the tide Mm. and that's not even, even then that's not super climactic. Yeah. But we get, what we do get is walk slow. I love that. That's the shit. Like that I was fucking okay, dope. I'm gonna talking about exposing ourselves. I'm gonna be uh, unreasonably honest for a podcast that other people may may listen to. Yeah. Um. I legitimately got chills. I have this weird thing. Kira knows this. I have this weird thing where fucking sports dramas do something to me. I almost got teary. I will cry the drop of a fucking hat watching a sports drama movie. When my father died, I did not cry. Yeah. There is something brutally, Bro, r- brutally I get you fucked on up that. with me. I fucking get that. A movie will make me fucking sob. I would s- cry but like a But real baby. life, I will not shed a fucking tear. What is wrong with us? I don't know. It's fucking Dudes. toxic masculinity. I could, toxic masculinity. I could make King cry right now if I wanted oh, to. Oh, do not. I know what you're going <laughs> to do. I mean, kind of, yeah, do it, but no, don't do it. Please do not do that. So I legitimately, so I got- ch- Just have to describe a scene. Not we, even in detail. Just like- we, Kira and I watched this movie uh, separately. We had watched Jim Carter together, which we decided was a bad idea because we just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. We watched this movie separately. I watched it on my own, got chills on my own. I walked in with her watching it into the, like the last and rewatched the last 20 minutes. You're giving me a back And tingle. got fucking chills again. Yeah. Like I'm sitting, it was so sitting good. there and getting that chills. That line is just it fucking makes, awesome. See, that's what for me. What is the full line again? She goes, What do I do now? And he goes, I don't think she says. I don't think she says. She goes to she, she goes just, to do it, and he's like, "Walk slowly." Is what he is all. Is no, what. I feel like there's a setup, and he's just like, "Win, but walk slowly," yeah. or something like that. It's fucking great. Yeah, the stone guy stops throwing stones. Does he? And just watches. Yeah. That is fucking dope. That's what I mean. Like there, I I will take on board your criticism that this movie there's missed be, opportunities. There's missed opportunities yeah. from a first time director, but there is shit that is like that is all time. Yeah, the stone guy stops throwing. Rooker House says walk slowly, and it's fuck yeah, absolutely. Like I want to watch this game. Like who do I need to support? Yeah, fucking earth. Um, uh, it makes all the sense in the world that he would stop throwing. Like you know that they're going to win, and you don't want to miss the, the moment. Are, the game, the game's over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking great. I'm getting fucking chills talking about it's it. So, what the fuck? I so think good. you'll find that you liked this. I movie. think I, you need to no, watch. Look, I really <laughs> did like it. I think that you were. I think it's a circumstance, and I think you, if we, 
you know what? If I go ahead and and spend more than a hundred dollars on the Japanese Blu-ray, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> I I honestly I enjoyed watching it, but because of this podcast, I was trying to watch it with a critical eye. And I, you know how like you oh, make you a just decision, let it wash over you. Yeah, I think I should have again. I, I always feel talk like about, I always talk about like because I come at things. We haven't really, and Kira mentioned this last time in the first episode. I mentioned that I'm that I'm a director. I write and direct TV commercials. We all make. We all work in the in the film industry, yeah. doing video stuff, right? So for me, I always watch a movie two ways. The first time I watch a movie, I try to turn off the director part of my part of my brain, and I just want to like fall Experience. into the film yeah. and let the film wash over me. Yeah. And then the second time or sometimes third time I watch it, I look at, I look at craft. Now, often what happens is that when a movie is bad, the director brain kicks in. If the director brain kicks in, then there's probably something up with something up with the movie because my brain starts to mentally pick it apart. And yeah. that becomes the thing that I focus on as opposed to, to the, to the movie. This movie just fucking washes over me. Like I had to make a conscious, I've seen this movie Dozens of times, I had to make a conscious effort to not get distracted by the by the way it flowed over me, and to <laughs> examine the examine the the craft of it. Um, and unlike with Jim Carter, where there was all these little things that I noticed, like technique about how they did bouncy stunts, and bouncy floors, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> None of that shit. I didn't see any of that shit. I have no notes on any of any of that shit. What I have is detail on things that emotionally connected connected with me or washed over me, like fucking stone guy not throwing stones. Yeah, and it's funny. Slow. It's funny. It's funny. What I I picked up watching this movie is not like. Last movie where I was like, those fucking arrows coming out of left of scene, like they were my fucking heroes because they were just so comical or like the scenes were going for too long. After watching this for a certain amount of time, I was like, oh, I just wish they did that. Oh, I just wish that that was a we're little bit better. We're going to have plenty of know? opportunities to watch, to laugh our asses off about terrible movies. I listened to the, I, we've. No, 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 to not last- that they included hilarity, but because it could have been such a perfect film. Right. You know what I mean? So your well, thing is, not perfect, but it could So your thing is that you feel like there's missed opportunities that could have made set the movie up even further from, from where it is. I feel like instead of being a quality B film, it could be an it's a C film. Right. Fair enough. You know? And it's a shame because like you said, this concept is so strong. What about you? Because you like it ended really strongly for you. So I mean we're kind of jumping to how we feel about it and overall. Yeah. So I think I think my feelings are particularly clear. But Kira? Um I think I'm sort of halfway between the two of you. I generally don't turn that part of my brain on that does the director thing (laughs) because I don't want to be distracted by something or talk myself out of liking things. It's also why when I like something I often don't show it to Kian because it (laughs) might turn out that it's actually crap and I don't want to know. I (laughs) apologise profusely for my personality. Yeah, because Kian can't help himself but to tell me when something is not well made. Um, but I will never yeah. notice on the first on the first. I try watch. not to. I try to be better with that stuff over the course of our relationship. I've tried to to grow as a person and mm. not just pick something apart. And I've and learned I don't, not to show I, you things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. Let's not get into marriage therapy. To hold strong on your opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but did in you terms have of any issues with it at all? Like my main issues was that it was too dark at the, oh, at the yeah. beginning. But like, again, that's, like visually dark. But so again, I, I think that that's, a, that's a victim of the VHSism. Yeah, of it all. exactly. Yeah, like okay. that. That was a kind of kind of an issue and I was 
and I was only the only things that were like complaints from my perspective were to do with the fact that we were going to make a podcast about this and I had one page of notes. Like yeah. my main concern with it was like I don't have much to say. It's just a good good movie. It's I, a, it's But do you not feel like there's things drama. missing? I think that through the course of this conversation, I would agree that there could have been more character development earlier on because clearly, like, I really liked, what's his name? Um, Gar. Yeah. By the end, I feel like that personality trait could have been all the way through or made more clear all the way through and then I would have loved him all the way through. Um, And you probably could have done that with all of them fairly subtly without taking much away from what you did in have in the film because clearly they did have these strong characters with the ones that we did get to spend time with that Simba and the others could have had just a few of those little moments earlier on to make you emotionally connected so that also when she gets hurt and can't compete you're a bit more emotionally invested yes. in, in that and not just like oh crap they don't have a player it could have been a bit more oh no is she okay yeah um and sort of, uh, yeah, a bit more of that emotional thing. But that said, it's an inspirational sports drama. It plays like an inspirational sports drama. You care about the characters by the end. You're excited. You're like, oh, they got to 100 stones and they normally only get to 26. Like, you care about all that shit. And you do understand the game by the end. I agree that it's a bit confusing the first time. But yeah. you do understand the game by the end. And good guys win. So I really liked it. You know what I thought was going to happen with Big Simba when she got um, beat up? Because you know how throughout the film she spits a lot? Did you notice that? Yeah. She spits disrespectfully a, 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 to, to a lot of people. Sorry, just knocking shit around the room. I thought she was going to go back out fucked up and spit on her opposing player so that she just got beat up. And it was like this fucking harrowing moment where she just fucking took a bludgeoning so the team could win. And I was like, no, Simba, no, don't do it. And then when fucking Gandhi came out with his big smile, I was very relieved. I'm reminded of the quote of the great prophet Homer Simpson. Sometimes I get bored in a movie and I make up my own movie. <laughs> that is very true. I think true. that's the exact quote, but yeah. close enough. The sentiment is there. <laughs> I, I have to say I'm loving that we're diving this deep into a movie called The Salute at the fucking <laughs> and I And I hope that uh, if, you know, when we finally put this out in the world and we have people, people listening that they kind of appreciate it too because this is the shit that I love talking about i love diving deep on something that is it's a vhs movie that was quickly released and and quickly forgotten in in its Mm. time and here we are in uh the year 2022 talking about character motivation and craft and (laughs) having me being very defensive about about craft (laughs) (laughs) um we should wrap we should wrap up the get get through the end of the movie once again we are talking very long i think this is just going to be the way of things and we're just going to have to accept it um but they win the game they they she does walk slowly and they win the game and we then get um salo and gonzo do a little salute of the of the juggers. That was a baller move. Yeah. That was a baller move to him to get pulled up by Rutger and go, I forgot that you were better than me. Yeah. That was such a good moment of just like, I respected you the whole time. I never was your enemy. I've forgotten you were better than me. 
yeah. Kidda is surrounded by the, by the fancies. Yeah, what was going on with that? I think she they was just accepted. swarmed all of a sudden. Because she's, she's accepted. She's accepted. Right. She, she's so her. impressive that they that they take they're taking to her. Right. Um, uh, fancy lady, fancy blood looking lady wants some gar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want some fucking gar. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking yeah. good looking man. I mean, man. everybody in this movie, honestly. No, nah, I even mean. Dirty, even dirty and fucked up with one eye. Rutger Hauer any day. Rutger Hauer, Hauer is not a good looking man. Oh, he's. But the charm. Yeah, look, he, he has some swagger. He's charismatic. And he has one of those magnetic. faces that, like, you're not traditionally good looking, but you're good looking. Rutger Hauer is one of my dudes. We're going to be watching Young lots. Vincent D'Onofrio. Fucking hell, man. I warn you, we're going to be watching a lot of Rooker Hound. Yeah, no, I'm down with that. I love the man. Um, and Lord Vile kind of still wins. Yeah. At the end of the day, Lord Vile kind of still wins. So uh, Gar and and Kidder join the join the league. We get a little bit of her looking on as Sallow and the and the other players disappear back up the elevator to leave to leave the red the red city, and it's kind of kind of kind of slightly sad. It's kind of got a down ending because she she gets what she wants. She but gets the what team she wants. Gets broken up. Yeah, and as a kid, I was very confused by why he couldn't just stay. Like, why why would he leave? Why would he not? I remembered like actually it upsetting me that that he didn't get to join the league join the league again. For a moment, I thought either two things were going to happen: Gonzo was going to kill Vile, and just he be kicked out, and then Rutger stay. And revolution. <laughs> Sorry? Just a revolution. Yeah. Just like the ultimate player. Strength. Well, I thought he was going to kill Vile being close to him and then cop everything that happens at the end of that game and he's sent out. Once you again, know. making up your own movie. In your yeah, head. exactly. I always think of these possible possibilities when certain moments are happening. I'm like, oh, my God, what can possibly happen? Um, or that he and Gonzo were then going to go out and travel the fucking wastelands together. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But we still get a very cool ending. Yeah. So, uh, Salo, Big Simba, and Gandhi and Mbulu, uh, with a new quick, who mm. gets like almost no introduction uh, and a couple lines. Also, a very good looking man. <laughs> yeah, I tried to look up who that guy was, but I couldn't figure it, and I couldn't figure out who he was. Another Aussie. Another Aussie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we get a yeah, we get a really cool shot of the jug of juggers coming to play against them. Yeah. Um, through uh, with dust and stuff that I imagine in HD would be glorious to look so, at. <laughs> so my understanding of that moment is that they've become a city team. They've become a village team that then people travel to come find yeah, them. That's, yeah, that's my understanding of it. As yeah, well, as right. Well. Is that they're so good that juggers come to play them now. Yeah. People but, are like in the same oh, way that- Oh, so a village is almost spawned around that team. Or I don't know about the village portion, but it's kind of like they are so good now and they are so uh, legendary for having met the challenge that people that want to make it to the league come to test themselves against against this team. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. But Vile still wins because he- um, Nothing yeah, happens to Because him. the guy, well, nothing happens to him and because Rutger Howard gets sent back into the wilderness and he's probably going to get hurt is yeah. essentially what Vile says. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so Vile is like, Vile I, I win either way because he's going to lose his other eye or break his legs. Yeah. But what we see at the end is now our hero has had his chance at redemption, whether or not he gets back into the league. That was never important to him, I think. It was yeah, more no, a I chance of redeeming happy. himself and he comes back and he's this fucking proud, clean 
character yeah. that has you know yeah. his and pro- eyes proving to him, proving to himself that that he could still do it. Yeah. Again, just such a subtle fucking ending. Mm. Like no big moral nothing. Yeah. Guys, I really fucking like this film. <laughs> You really did. You'd turn me out any day of the weekend. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a different podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, really subtle throughout the whole and, film. And another small moment is that Kidda dressed in, in silks. Yeah. Uh, we get her holding the the shell, holding the the, yep. the shell that Rooker Howard had pulled out of the ocean earlier. That's right. And um, she gets to wear silk. And she gets yeah. to wear silk. Yeah. You know, she's very happy about that. Yeah, and it's not like we see her sad or overly happy. She's just yeah. gotten what she wanted and she's living a good life. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a bit of sweetness to, to, yeah. to how she's feeling about all that because obviously she, like, she made some really nice friends and now they're not there, but at least she, you know, did what she set out to do, so she's happy. Yeah, but and the team on the surface are all smiles yeah, and like, yeah, we're is. doing what we fucking do. Yeah, yeah. everybody seems fairly. Mm. Everybody everybody wins, even, yeah. even the bad guys win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, and that kind of wraps up the talk about the movie. Uh, new thing I'm introducing the podcast is names I recognize in the credits from other movies because <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. Uh, Guy Norris, who I already mm-hmm. kind of talked about, I already knew that he was the stunt coordinator on uh, Fury Road, upcoming Furiosa. He's also second unit director. Uh, Richard Francis Bruce, the editor of this movie, is an Aussie um, who edited Seven and has been nominated for like three Academy Awards for Shawshank Redemption, Seven, and Air Force One. He's a dude that I kind of know uh, the name of. Um, uh, he talks about editing on the – there's a commentary track on Seven where he talks about editing that is like – been was kind of school for me, uh, which is kind of fascinating. So he's, That's a, cool. he's a good dude. Um, and uh, PJ Voten, who is the first AD, uh, he is still working in the industry and is also a producer on Fury Road. So lots of Mad Max connections, oh, I mean, which is kind of obvious. They came to Australia, they came to South Australia, which was where Mad Max 2 was filmed and obviously used a lot of similar crew and stunties and everything, which is why Richard Norton, General Zamir, shows up in it. Are these guys Australians as well? They're all Aussies, yeah. They're That's all, awesome. They're, all, they're Aussie names that I recognise that have gone on to do, to, do other, to do other things. Very cool. Um, appropriate age to watch this movie, Kira. Um, it is rated for the people that do not have access to it. It's rated M15 in Australia, which uh, means guidance for people over the age of 15. See, the thing is, is that it is a little bit more gory than Jim Carter because you actually do see like blood I think and the violence broken. is more realistic. Yeah. yeah. Do we see blood other than uh, when the lady is licking it off people? Well, when people have like done that, like when Dog Boy loses, has his leg, and and when she, like when people are pretty banged up, you sort of. But do we see actual gore? Not gore, gore, but compared to um, maybe people's faces bloodied and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and compared and like losing eyes and yeah. biting off ears yep. and things like yeah. that's significantly more than what was in Jim Carter. But it's in the context of it being a sport as opposed to cold blooded murder. So it's just a game. (laughs) It's just a game that they play every day in (laughs) (laughs) They probably do play this every day, those villagers, though. They might have wandering people play and they've got to fucking back up just being beaten up the day before. I mean, if you want to make up a movie in your head, you could say that that 
this is the end result of the game in Palmerstan leading to, um, because of Star Wars technology, leading to a Ooh. nuclear war that caused the post-apocalypse. Palmerstan took over the Star Wars satellites and killed everyone. Killed everyone. Oh, my God. Thanks, Reagan. My headcanon is now uh, amazingly large. Let's not do a podcast where we just make up movies. <laughs> Let's. Anyway. Give us an age. Um. So I said 10 or 13 for... Jim Carter, I would say 13 to 15 for this because there is sex content and more gruesome injuries. But it's not scary. It's not like you're going to have nightmares of people coming and forcing you to play the game. Like, So I think 13 would probably be fine um, and you're less likely to have things just go completely over your head. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty happy with 13 for this one. All right. So speaking of things going completely over your head, I think to appreciate the subtleties of this movie, you don't need parental guidance. You need directorial guidance and you won't appreciate the subtleties until you're at least 31, (laughs) which is my current age. (laughs) So you went from one-year-olds can watch Jim Carter to 31-year-olds can watch exactly, the because picture. Jim Carter is silly nonsense for babies, which is great and fun and beautiful, don't get me wrong, but this is a subtle masterpiece. Again, I'm flipped. I've completely flipped about this movie and it has so much subtlety in it <laughs> that an idiot would watch this film in parts and not get anything that was trying to be done by the director. I think a teenager, if they watched it, on a better quality than VHS. Um, Japanese Blu-ray costs about 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, when when the VHS was new and it was in better condition. Yeah, um, no, was, that was still trash. <laughs> was also, still- TVs were the size of, size of postage stamps. Yeah. Also true. Anyway, I think teenagers could enjoy it because it's an inspirational sports yeah. drama. They could enjoy watching the people beat each other up and they don't necessarily need all of the nuance. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in terms of but possible watching, I think 13 is appropriate. I was very liberal in my household, so I, I think you could get away with watching this at seven or eight and anything that's too gruesome would go over your head. I don't know where the seven or eight-year-olds would really enjoy it. I feel like they would probably get Well, I, I think you need to be 31 and have <laughs> discussing the subtleties of it to actually enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like an, an average seven-year-old would probably get distracted because it's kind of repetitive for that first yeah. sort of half, they might not make it to the cool conclusion because it's just, oh, yeah, I've watched the game. I'm going to go do something else now. Yeah, I, I almost feel this film could be better not to not to critique it even further, but if we had a, a strong game in the start mm. and then had the moving up the ladder montage after the training montage, which is common in a lot of sports movies, you know, the the – team at the bottom of the ladder moves up the ladder. If we had something like that a little bit stronger in the middle of the film, it would be so much better. But that said, it's also not a kid's movie. It's not aimed at seven-year-olds. So it's perfectly fine for it to be appropriate to watch as a teenager and older because they're not trying to entertain young children. They're trying to entertain people who have a bit more experience of you're Thanks. right. I think younger kids would be bored by it. Do you not to offend this movie at all? But yeah. Well, it's not designed for a six year old. Like, yeah. Unless, of course, you were, what, three when you watched this? <laughs> I was seven. 
Oh, really? <laughs> See? And did you and appreciate all the subtleties or did I you? I probably didn't appreciate yeah. the subtleties, but once, like, again, fucking Jip Carter, it's got a game in it. Yeah. So as a seven-year-old, I was fascinated by the game of Sully the Jugger as I was with the game of Jim, Jim Carter. And as I said, there were things that, things that get stuck in your brain, imagery that gets stuck in your brain. At that age, the subtlety of performance, which I have noticed as an adult. Or having directorial s- choice. Either way, are things that I appreciate now as an adult. They're not things I appreciated when I was seven. When I was seven, I just thought it was cool that they played a game with a dog skull and fucked each other up because... Yeah, it's pretty dope. Because and of the you way were that also watching it with your dad, and I Correct. know that he wasn't necessarily parental guidancing you, <laughs> but he was in <laughs> like he was sitting there watching the movie with you, which encourages you to sit and watch the movie yeah. as opposed I'll, to go off and play with I your have Legos. Any family members that listen to this podcast, I would like them to know that this is not going to be just dump on my on my father's parental skills for the entire <laughs> run of the, po- the run. Of, run I'm of the not saying that he was a bad father. I'm just saying he wasn't like that's not the purpose of him sitting there watching There's to bit- like explain it to you and make sure that you're okay but, <laughs> but in in oh, that head, I don't think Keen was that kind talk, of kid no he, but he would talk no I'll I, I, to defend my, my my father who has passed he would talk to me about the movies while we we're watching them yeah. if there was something I didn't understand I was a kid that asked that asked questions mm. so if there was something I didn't understand he would he would explain it to me yeah my point was just that because it, there's a difference between a seven-year-old sticking a VHS in and starting to watch it and then getting distracted and going and playing with Lego yeah. to sitting down with your dad and watching a movie, you're going to sit there and watch the whole movie yeah, because and, that yeah. is the activity that we are doing right now. Yeah, And, this and is I think that's the difference. Most seven-year-olds, if they just stuck the thing in, they probably wouldn't make it, make through. it through the whole thing. Yeah. But if they're sat down with their parents or with a group of friends whose intention is to watch this film, then maybe a seven-year-old will, would get through it and just enjoy the dog skull and the game. Yeah. Hmm. And yeah. I'd say teenagers. Yeah. And so would you watch this movie again of your free will without having been forced to do it for a podcast? Only from the perspective of I would want to watch a higher quality version of it to see whether it A, made more sense, and B, whether the pretty scenes are actually as pretty as you'd imagine they are if they were in HD. <laughs> But I don't think I would need to watch it again from a like, oh, that's my favourite movie, I must watch it again. Fair enough. But interesting, you know how certain movies have rewatch value? Do you think this movie has rewatch value? Like in a couple of years' time when you're like, oh. I think would it does because movies have rewatch value when you could have missed something the first time. And if nothing else, we've proven that this movie is something where you could have missed something the first time around. That is so, indeed why I'm definitely going to watch this movie again. Exactly. Like I have, I have. So many things I've seen and not actually appreciated. So I definitely will be watching this movie again. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, it's definitely a movie that you can you, you can watch it again because you might notice something you didn't the first yeah. time or appreciate something now that we've sort of talked about it that you didn't appreciate the first time. Um, and B would also be better to watch in a higher definition. I think it's almost Not that a movie. we can unless we spend $100 on eBay. I think it's almost that. a movie, which you probably would agree I'm with. I'm pitching that we spend $100 <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> I, uh, unless that was unclear. I think you would appreciate this. I think it's a movie you must watch at least one other time because you see these subtleties and you start to connect the dots, which which I didn't appreciate with it. Like, I don't know if... I mean, I connected most of the dots when I watched it the first time, except those, that I didn't notice that he'd lost his eye. But, but the <laughs> subtext the subtext of so many things like, uh, I don't know, uh, for example, the stone thrower, like getting exhausted because he doesn't throw 
more than 30 stones. Yeah, like that I subtext, think, did you see all of those things, you know? I don't know. I think oh, there's also a level of if we were to watch it in a higher definition, there's probably more of those things that we didn't see yeah. because yeah. we actually just couldn't physically see them because the blacks were crushed. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also have the benefit of like, as I said to you, I have seen this movie lots of times. So I didn't need to pay attention to the plot because I know the plot. I was yeah. l- watching it for the podcast, looking for detail that I had not previously seen or no- noticed. Yeah, hence, like picking up his drug. Salo's drug. Perhaps salad. Um, that's it. God, perhaps God. Uh, alcoholism and the stone throw stopping. So, Brody, through. would you suggest somebody else watch this movie? Uh, Do you recommend um, it to a friend? I wouldn't recommend this to my, say my partner, who well, no, has surprising. who has no interest in in film craft whatsoever, or just or. Even or probably in this podcast. <laughs> no, she she would not like dissecting films. Is not her her desire at all. Like she loves what she loves, and that's fine. And she has an appreciation for the film craft. I don't think you have to have an appreciation for film craft to enjoy the movie, though. No, 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 no I agree. No, no, but it's also not. Yeah, a, we're the weirdos. Like yeah. we're the ones. We're the ones having a two-plus-hour yeah. conversation about salute of the jugger. Yeah, and I and I think it's more of a case of she wouldn't watch a movie that's a post-apocalypse game movie in the first place. Um, But I think, honestly, I think I would recommend this to a friend who would appreciate film craft because of the subtlety. And I would go, look, it's a... It's a B plus version of a post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic sports movie, but the directorial choices in having these background things being so subtle and sprinkling the information throughout, which I only appreciated through having a two plus hour conversation about only it. after I beat <laughs> it into you. Well, it's something that really only came across after you were like, "Did you or did you not appreciate this?" And it dawned on me that I didn't appreciate it the first time I watched it because I watched it in such a haphazard manner. Mm. That if I showed it to someone who did have an appreciation for film craft, would go, yeah, they were actually cool, interesting choices. I don't know. Like, obviously, yeah, film, pe- pe- film people are going to like films. Um, <laughs> yeah, but film people film but people sometimes also... a very reductive view of my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> film people also somewhat, sometimes don't like films. Yeah, that's true too. I think I would... <laughs> I think I would... <laughs> I love having a podcast. I, mm. I'm I think, so into this. Yeah, it's it's not clear. <laughs> I think if I was going to um, recommend it to someone, I would recommend it to someone who is looking for this kind of movie, who is looking for, you know, a crappy action movie that, that is, you know, entertaining, and, entertaining and super fun yeah. and something that maybe they wouldn't, that people who like a weird movie, people who like Mad Max, That's people who to- like... Yeah, that don't get me wrong, this thing. isn't super fun in the content. It's super no. fun in the... The game is weird yeah. and it's yeah. a, and it's in a weird world and the characters are, are good enough that they can drag you through it. Yeah. And so I think that people who are into that kind of thing, I agree your partner probably wouldn't like it, yeah. but some of our other friends might or other people who like inspirational sports dramas or like Mad yeah. Max or like a crappy Australian cinema. like Well... No. Not really Australian cinema, but yeah, yes. but filmed here. I think, yeah, yeah I think that I think that there, I think that there is an audience for it. It's unfortunate that that audience didn't find it, and it's unfortunate time. that the movie has essentially disappeared from the public consciousness. Mm. It's unlike Jim Carter, which, because of how terrible it is, uh, or how insane it is, has 
grown in estimation. This is a movie that I honestly, outside of the people in this room, I don't know if I've spoken to somebody about Salute of the Jugger in... Yeah, which is amazing because we would have hours-long conversation about the most obscure crap and you have never mentioned this to me. Yeah, but how many thousands upon thousands of movies have I have I seen? And I then, don't know, Ken. And, and then how many? How much time do I have to educate you, my yeah, boy? Yeah, very true. <laughs> he's still working on me, and he's had like nine years. <laughs> I've, I've kind of given up. Um, <laughs> oh, how rude! How rude! Uh, next episode. Next episode, I get to pick a movie. Kira gets to pick episode, a movie. Episode, episode, still on the board. Episode. Can I do the? trailer voice for you? Yes, you can, but I get to look at the the covers first. Still on the board from last time, we have Wild Thing. Wild Thing. (laughs) We have Wes Craven's Shocker. Shocker. I'm practicing the voice. Uh, No, Wes Craven's name's above the title. It's Wes Craven's Shocker. Wes Craven's The Shocker. It's not the... Oh, sorry. no, No, the... Wes Craven's Shucker. There you go. I'm very pe- impressed by your trailer voice. Thank you. It's a skill I didn't <laughs> know you had. I actually have been singing all the way home from Cowra to keep my girlfriend awake, so my voice is a little bit shot. That's I okay. just also and did a two-plus-hour podcast. And you, we have Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee in Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. I love Brandon Lee. Disclosure, you've seen that movie. There is zero chance I remember it. Haven't I also seen Salute of the Drug? I don't really remember it either. You had also seen Salute of the Drug. <laughs> the thing is that there's a, quite a lot of films that I have seen with Ken, inverted commas, where I may not have been paying attention. <laughs> or was early enough in our relationship that I was paying way, way more attention to making sure that Ken thought I was interested than mm-hmm. me actually Pre- being interested. Very good job at pretending to be interested. <laughs> Almost like it's the basis of our entire marriage. So the the tagline of this movie is showdown in Little Tokyo. One's a warrior, one's a wise ass. They're two LA cops going after a gang of Japanese drug lords, feet first. So they obviously do a lot of kicking. It is, in fact, a does seem that way. Uh-huh. Okay, give me your trailer voice. There's a ma- there's a lot of text on the back of that box. There is. I might stop after the first couple. Yeah. Of also, don't, don't like blow the whole premise. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren from Rocky Four and Masters of the Universe. We're, we will most definitely be talking about Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Brandon Lee from Kung Fu the movie. Um, this thunderous action spree as the most volatile police pair since Riggs met Murtor and Tango hooked up with Cash. Lundgren is the okay, muscle. Stop, stop, stop. Murtog? Riggs and Murtog. Lethal weapon? I'm reading the back. <laughs> and mispronouncing names. Mur- I said Murtog. Murtog. Isn't Murtog? Shut the fuck up. Riggs and Murtog. I've always pronounced it Murtog. There's, there's, there's an H at the end. Yeah, okay, shut up, you. And they say it's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe I don't listen. I don't listen so good. Ugh, fuck, where was I? God damn it. Lundgren is the muscle, an American samurai steeped in Eastern traditions. Lee, son of the legendary Bruce Lee, is a quip-cracking valley dude. How is this? Is this back to front? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's part of the premise of the movie. It's one of the things that makes it amazing. Quip-cracking valley dude with a lot of fight in him. Together they hang tough in a running battle with a lurid LA underworld of Japanese drug lords. This is going to be a fucking racist film, right? There's got to be a lot of stereotypes that are offensive. 
I mean, <laughs> it's an action movie from the from the. It's actually from the nineties, from the early nineties. But yeah, fair enough. It feels like. I mean, it's Kira's choice, but it feels like the rest of the table wants to go with Showdown. Uh, I, I will look. It does mean that Wild Thing and Shocker stay on the table. For all the of them round. are appealing. And look, if they I do stay on. I make it very on, clear that I get to make this call. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We are in your most capable hands. Drum roll. My favorite professional wrestler is John Moxley, and he fights for AEW, and he comes in to the song Wild Thing. So I will be going with Wild Thing. Brilliant choice. To play homage to my favorite professional wrestler, Mr. John Mox. Superb choice. And Correct. I think it sounds it sounds it sounds kind of strange. And we've already done like a like a ninja type. That's thing. a very true. I know thing. samurai is different, but yeah, we've already done a little bit of that. And uh, I'm sure this will happen when somebody else gets it. All I can say is when you're choosing the next movie to go as an option, it needs to be something that makes me almost as excited as. Uh, showdown in Little Tokyo because I'm going to be choosing that. that. That will not be a problem. Um, I have had 10 VHS tapes arrive by oh. mail in the past week because now that we have started this podcast, this shit's real. I legitimately thought you were just going through your video shop at home and then when you get to like the end of them, we'll get we, more. We are, but I also have a ton of eBay alerts oh. for specific titles. And some of those titles came up recently, so I bought a, a bunch of new tapes because we're gonna, because we're going to do the podcast. I'd stopped buying tapes for a while because we were running out of space on the shelves, and because there was no podcast. But now we're doing the podcast. I'm going to be buying tapes. So. so the video shop expands. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, social media handles. We have them. We do. At Weird Kid Video. At Weird Kid Video on Instagram and Twitter. I knew they were going to be that. How did you not remember that was going to be it? I couldn't remember the name of the podcast for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so please follow us on social media. Should we say something about leaving a review? I don't know. I don't I care. Mean, don't listen to us. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, we don't really know. Do what something we're with doing your life. Moment, you just listen to a two-hour podcast about Salute of the Jugger. What the fuck are you doing? With no, your life? don't listen to this man. You are glorious people, and we love you deeply. The three I will kiss you on the mouth, whoever you are. You're just assuming that the only people who are listening are our friends. <laughs> no, I love strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. scene. scene.